Before we get started on this episode of Real Nerds Podcast, remember you can connect to the Real Nerds in many ways. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can also call us 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2016. To get tickets to Denver Comic Con, log on to denvercomiccon.com and buy tickets. If you're wondering when Denver Comic Con happens, it happens June 17th through the 19th at the Colorado Convention Center. Uh, George's Jaunty will be back this year. Yeah! Um, hopefully. Because uh, he was also supposed to be there last year, and then we text, texted him and he said, I'm there, I have a table. <laughs> um, so uh, he, yeah. he, he he didn't know he was supposed to be there. Well, I, he he knew he was supposed to be there, but he had like he had alerted them he wasn't going to be there, and they hadn't taken down his table. So he was like, um, yeah. But we had fun not. with it last year. Did yeah, it was up, pretty good. Did you send that to him yet? No, I haven't. I don't well, have his address. You are the worst. I know. I guess we'll give it to him this year. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Um, um, what's the coolest uh, signature on there? Is it Tim Sales Batman? Tim Sales Batman's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Like the fact that he sketched a Batman on it. It's pretty awesome. It also just speaks to how great of a guy George's Jaunty is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we have an awesome interview with him about two years ago that I'm still waiting for the <laughs> show up. Yeah, I think I think it's sitting on the drive waiting for somebody to upload it. Yep. Yep. Is it sitting on the drive? Yeah, I think so. Has it been edited? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, so Ryan, we, you sound like garbage. I know, because I'm sick as fuck. I'm and my sorry. wife doesn't care. She doesn't. And she's a nurse, and it's really disheartening, guys. Yeah, you'd think that she would, you know, give a damn. Yeah, she'd, you know, maybe show up in, like, sexy nurse clothes, but she's not. Doesn't she wear that every day? Isn't that, like, no, her the, job? the scrubs are, like, I mean, she looks great in them. Actually, my favorite color of hers, she has this, this peach color that I absolutely adore. Um, <laughs> but they don't have, like, you know, um, busty <laughs> V-neck nurse outfits, which is really kind of a bummer. I'm starting to get uncomfortable about this. Why? I don't know. See, the 50s were a better time when nurses <laughs> would show cleavage. This is, what, this is what happens, people, when you raise your kid on the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> yeah. Because he comes out being like, how come stewardesses aren't more attractive? <laughs> nah. The Dick Van Dyke show is very progressive. It is. Because uh, Laura Petrie wore pants. She wasn't... That was the first person... No, I know. Woman, I know. ...woman to wear pants on TV. Dude, those people had beds in the same room. Yep. I mean, not the same bed, but beds in the same room, people. It's crazy. It is, and they like kiss theoretically. All the time. Theoretically, if they had a bed in the same room, they might have sex once in a while. I know they have a kid. I don't know how he got there. Stork ah, magic. Uh, I, well, fifties television taught me that kids just come down from the upstairs every now and then and are suddenly introduced into the show. It was funny in the Dick Van Dyke show. They he was a big part of the first four or five episodes, and then I think Carl Reiner <laughs> wise like, up. This like, kid is shit. Oh. Hi, Dad. Oh yeah, freaking Richie. Yeah. There are some great episodes, though, when you find out his middle name is Rosebud, and, and why it's Rosebud. It's great. Man, I need to watch that show again. You should. It's, it's a good. brilliant show. But every week on Real Nurse Podcast, we go see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw The Revenant. Yeah. Starring one Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. 
Stay tuned to the end of the show when we talk about it. Nobody's talking about like the movie or like how brutal it is or, or whether it's good or not. Everybody's just talking about like this is the one where he's gonna get an Oscar for it. And I'm like, I don't how, think he's. Can we, one you're talking about the bear, right? The, can we? Yeah, right. The bear's we, the one that's gonna get the Oscar. I just mostly mean like, hey, um, can we talk about the movie? I want to talk about the movie. I don't. I don't really give a shit about the Oscars. I will say a funny thing about. Uh, I went and saw it at the AMC Bowls. Which, uh, it's the one AMC I don't mind going to because you have assigned seats and yeah. it has like recliners on it. Um, but I had to see it yesterday like at seven. So I got maybe the last seat yeah. in the theater, but it was actually a really good. See, it was in the second row there and you know, you can recline there. So this, yeah. oh, Zach, you're on the show. Hi, Zach. <laughs> Hi, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, uh, such a low key show compared to last week. I yeah. Know, it's mellow. It's like NPR style. We yeah, all gotta, you know, this is our palate cleanser from a film, film explosion. Yeah. So. Um, so anyways, I was, sitting basically right in the middle in the second row and this couple sat down next to me and so the revenant there's lots of like, quiet parts yeah you know where he's trying to survive where he's in the cold yeah. not moving much yep. <laughs> having ice cold beards and whatnot yeah uh, his beard his beard's frozen and he's thinking about how frozen yeah. his beard is yeah 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 that stuff yeah um, and oh, man i'll wait till it gets because there's actually kind of a spoiler part. okay yeah that's so fine. i'll wait but it, it's, a, it's a really funny story but cool. I, so i can't say it because it's a spoiler part <laughs> that's um, fair. totally fair so yeah we'll st- we'll review that we'll talk about movies that we've been watching what's coming out on blu-ray um movie news yeah um, there's actually some movie news this week yeah um, i got some of that cool and uh yeah i would say box office stuff but it keeps on being star wars yeah <laughs> except the revenant might win this week it might shocking yeah. everybody yeah but when you've already made 800 million dollars i don't know how many more times you can win a weekend yeah. Um, well, let's find out, guys. Yes. <laughs> Star Wars again. Yep. Uh, what do you? Uh, if we're, you're a pretty big part of that. How many times have you seen Star Wars, Zach? Six times. See, there you go. Six times. So I you're like sixty bucks of it. Yep. Well, more than that because I went to the marathon at AMC. Oh, so the sixty dollar one. Uh, yeah, sixty dollars plus. So you're like hundred and ten dollars of it. If yeah, and, and that's not including all the uh, Star Wars merchandise I bought at the. Uh, I got this. Obviously not a Ray merchandise. Not not Ray merchandise. No, just Star Wars logo stuff. Ooh, oh that's cool. yeah, I know. What you're I like talking that. About. I like see, that did, did you like my sly I, joke there? I see what you yeah. did there. That's that's what we call commentary, guys. Yes. <laughs> see, I'm not just a real nerd. I'm also has my pulse firmly on pop culture. Indeed. But no, they get. I got the Galaxy Premiere sweater at. Uh, uh, the premiere of uh, Star Wars: Force Awakens. Cool. I've just found out that this thing on eBay is going for 150 bucks. Dude, nice. I'm gonna beat you up and sell that thing. <laughs> My friend was like, "You're sitting on a coal mine." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" It well, was like 2 a.m. when he texted me this. You're you're safe for at least another like 50 minutes until they um until they draw the Powerball numbers. And if I don't win the Powerball, you're coming for my. I'm sh- coming for your jacket, man. <laughs> I gotta get that paper one way or another. To the Colorado Lotto Company, um, yeah. if you are hearing this, my life is in danger. <laughs> one is if it, James's numbers are five, <laughs> six, seven, eight. <laughs> They're saying that if someone doesn't win it tonight, it's going to go up to like one point seven billion dollars. Yeah, dude, I I don't buy Powerball tickets, but when somebody says, "Hey, you have a chance to win nine hundred million dollars," I'm like, "Yeah, I got forty bucks. You want forty <laughs> yeah. bucks?" Yep. Uh, I also want to point out that. Jackie Earl Haley followed us on Twitter. I know! Ooh. That was pretty um, cool. I, with, between him and I Melissa Joan Hart, we got the three names of celebrities locked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny is my goofy 
our most popular tweet we've ever had, besides one that I'm not going to talk about. But yeah, uh, our most popular tweet that is goofy is I just tweeted that, oh, Ash versus Evil Dead killed it tonight. And then I just tagged the show, Bruce Campbell, then two actors in it. And Ash versus Evil Dead retweeted it. And so now it's been like retweeted a hundred times. And yeah. I'm like, it's the dumbest tweet I've ever tweeted as our most popular one. Yep. That, that's how the internet works. That's the tweets you don't expect are the ones that are going to get the most attention. It brings up a good subject though, Ryan. You want to talk about what we've been watching? Uh, can I talk about what's playing at the Alamo first? I guess so. Hi, this is Tim League from Alamo Draft House, and I've got five reasons why Anomalisa is the must-see movie of this season. Number one, Charlie Kaufman is hands down the greatest storyteller of our generation, and I dare say that this might be his finest storytelling yet. Number two, this is like nothing you've ever seen before. We've seen animated films before, we've seen stop-motion animated films before, but really there's a, there's a look and a feel to this world that is so unique and so special that you just have to lay eyes on it and it's a full cinematic experience. You must see this in a theater. Number three, an obsessive attention to detail. This movie was shot two seconds a day. It took four years to make with a huge animation crew. You can see from the very first shot the attention to detail. Just looking at the close-up of David Thewlis's face, you can see a, a, a hundreds of hair follicles blowing in the breeze. Number four, the best actor and best supporting actor and actress performances of the year. Yes, they're puppets, but I maintain that Tom Noonan, if there was any justice in the world would be nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress for this role. And number five, this is a perfect essay on loneliness, isolation, and love that I think just about every human being in the world can relate to. And those are the reasons why you absolutely must see Anomalisa this season. Cool. Uh, at the Alamo next week is the BBS story, Head. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> What's the BBS story? I have no idea. Okay. And Glorious yeah, cool. Bastards is continuing the Quentin Tarantino run. Sweet. That's my favorite nice. Tarantino movie. 400 Days, Zach. Uh, which one is that? I'm I'm stumped too, actually. Man. Wait, 400 Days or 400 Blows? 400 no, Days. No, 400 Days. I've never heard of 400 Days then. Hmm. It's, a new, it's a new little indie thing, I think. Yeah. Oh, I can't okay. remember. Then I have not heard of it. In a Lonely Place is Skyfall with James Elroy. Cool. Ooh. Video Vortex is Bad Magic. Ooh, that sounds cool. Fantastique is Conan the Barbarian. Cool. What is best in that? Hopefully it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's entirely possible. That's right. There's another one it could be. <laughs> Um, you know, I have to watch it because I'm doing the comic book movie thing, mm-hmm. and the Blu-ray that's five dollars doesn't have any special features on it for the remake or the, for yeah the for original? the remake. Oh, okay. Um, but there is the 3D Blu-ray has four hours of extras on it. Ooh, so you should get that one. I know, but it's twenty bucks used. Uh, borrow from Randy. I'm sure Randy's got it <laughs> on Blu-ray though. Yeah, he loves Conan. Yeah, but he doesn't have it on Blu-ray. Which I didn't know, which was entirely embarrassing when I was like, yeah, but who cares about that? He's like, I literally have this shit tattooed on me. And I was like, oh, fuck. You know, sometimes some movies appeal to people that... Yeah, dude, I I like Conan. Yeah, it's all right. Um, PBS Kids at the Alamo is a Lego movie, James' favorite movie from two years ago. Hell yeah, it is. Was that two years ago? last year. Last year, yeah. 
Um, NRW presents Overtime with Al Snow and John Wells. If it's the Al Snow from WWE, then I'm on board. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what's playing at the Alamo next week. They're also showing, uh, on the 19th, they're showing True Romance again, um, which will be my last chance. And on the 24th, they're showing my favorite film of all time, Jackie Brown. Are they? Yes, they are. Man. That's your favorite film of ever? Yes, it is. I got I gotta I got that on Blu-ray a few weeks ago, and I haven't had an opportunity to watch it. Because it pained me. I, I traded in my PlayStation 3 because no. I literally have not turned it on in a year. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. And I already have Uncharted. And yeah. I got Tomb Raider. Once I, have, I, got, once I have Uncharted and The Last of the Us last again, of us. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And so I traded in. I got all my games in my PS3 at Tradesmart. I got like 200 bucks for. Nice. So I've just been getting like random shit. That's, and, the, that's the funny thing is I've traded in all my PS3 games, but I haven't traded in my PS3 yet. So what the fuck is it for? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why I have it. It's and a cool was... Blu-ray player that you can give to Randy. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. The, the funny thing is I traded it in and I asked the guy and I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot to take my PlayStation Network stuff off of there. Oh. And I was like, you guys wipe these, right? He said, yeah. So I changed the password to my PlayStation Network anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, no, they don't. <laughs> Because um, if they don't, some dude seriously got like Mortal Kombat, <laughs> a bunch ooh. of like free games on there, all the Mega Man's. That's so true. Someone's got like a sweet deal That's when they true. buy that PlayStation. Yeah, and some probably uh, some, got a golden some, ticket. Some good save files too. Like hey, they some, do. Not just copies of Mega Man, but clears of Mega Man. Yep. So they yeah. So I changed my password. If you want to jump right to Heat Man and fight Heat Man? You can do it. <laughs> but see, the only reason, the real reason I changed it, uh, because my PlayStation Now account or. Uh, PS Plus, the you literally just have to select the game and it buys it. Yeah, like I don't make it; I have to put in my password again. That's stupid, right? And You're so, just like, let's <laughs> let's make it as easy as possible to to spend money on a PlayStation. Yeah, so you gotta be careful of that. Uh huh. I, I hear you. <laughs> um. So, anyways, that's uh, how my Amazon is set up. It's even oh, more dude. dangerous. My on Amazon my is, phone. My Amazon. So, like, if you didn't have to use my fingerprint for my phone. Dude, you could buy anything on it. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I still have my Apple Wallet set up. So when I buy stuff on Fandango, it just goes right there. Um, the it, passbook thing? Yeah. So, But Amazon, you literally just click it. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't say – it says one click to buy. Yeah. But mine isn't like, oh, you have to select the product. It's like you just hit it. Yeah. And on the iPhone, if you hold it down, it just buys it for you. Yeah. So there's no like, oh, I got to find the right button. Nope. nope. You just hold it down. That's yep. only for Prime members or is that – no, I know. I think it's just an Amazon thing because they, an Amazon they thing, just yeah. want anybody. If, as long as you're logged in, like, because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, between services on Sunday mornings, I'll be like, you know, just bombing around <laughs> on Amazon. I'll just, I'm like, oh crap, I could buy, I could buy all these things. I right? could buy all the blue. I got to do a bad habit where, like, you know, all of a sudden on Sunday afternoon, I got like three text messages that are like, "Hey, your Blu-ray has shipped." I'm like, "Oh, what? What did I buy? <laughs> What's coming?" I did that with Ant Man. Like, I know you said it was coming out, and because yeah. I haven't buy because. I wasn't working for a long time, so yeah. I kind of way scaled back my Amazon purchasing, obviously. Yeah. But like a reasonable human yeah, being. But at the same time, you know, I want things in three D when I they're like movies I really want because yeah. one, the covers are cooler. And Amazon, <coughs> you know, I think Ant Man ended up being like seventeen dollars on three D. Yeah. But what I do if I really like the movie, I'll be in the theater and I'll literally put pre order. Mm-hmm. And so I'll so I was at school and I got a text message being it said your Amazon shipment of Ant-Man has shipped. I'm like, oh, fuck. I totally forgot I ordered that. <laughs> so I went yeah. home and watched Ant-Man. It always gets really dangerous around Christmas time because, oh, like, yeah. I put stuff on my Christmas list and give it to people and go, like, oh, yeah, this is yeah, movies you can get for me. And then I'm like, I really hope I didn't pre-order any of those. Because yep. <laughs> Amazon's actually really bad about, like, you know, the, the in your order history, it stays in the order yeah. you bought it. So if you bought it 
six months exactly. ago. Exactly. It's six months ago in your order history, and you got to comb through it to find it. It's so funny because I pre-ordered the uh, Mega Man Amiibo. Oh, geez. As soon as they announced Amiibos, Mega Man was one of them. And so I pre-ordered it. And for a while, Amiibos were really hard to find. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get them anywhere. I think the Mega Man one's still pretty hard to find. But, so I pre-ordered it, and I just forgot about it. And one day, it showed up. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, that's where my money went. Yeah, and it was funny, too, because Amazon, after that, wouldn't, wouldn't take pre-orders on them. Yeah. Uh, and if they, you kept on... Because they didn't know when they could yeah. fill them. Exactly. So if you would check on online on Amazon, it'd say unavailable. Yeah, you can pre-order it, and we'll let you know when it becomes available. Yeah. Um, I stopped. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we've been watching lately, but I started going through Amazon like a hound because most of the stuff that I want to find nowadays I can't find at uh, Second Spin oh, yeah. or Tradesmart anymore. You got to yeah. be pretty lucky to find some of that stuff. Some yeah. of these classic ones that I'm that we'll discuss later, like they just they're not available anymore, sadly. Oh yeah. And if you find them, you have to. Unfortunately, you have to take the freaking stickers off, but you can get them at a cheap price if you find them at Second Spin. But I've been finding them on Amazon for – I picked up the Warner Brothers Gangster Collection for 17 bucks. Nice. That thing used to go for sixty nine ninety nine. Yep. I could not believe it. Sheesh. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I, I swear Amazon, too, has gives you sales prices on stuff you – like just your browse history. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll get saying recommendations for you. I can remember this being on sale a few days ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and they're really smart. Where like I, I, I've gotten really good at using my wish list, and they, they will track like, hey, since you, since you put this on your wish list, it's gone down four cents, man. Is four cents how much you needed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that is that what you were waiting for? You were like, this, hey, Sicario twenty two ninety nine. Hey, now it's four cents less. Is that low enough? <laughs> well, that's what I love about Amazon though too. Is if you have a problem, they will fix it immediately. Yeah. One of my. Th- Favorite stories. Be like, no, four cents is enough. How about five? Yeah, my favorite story on Amazon. My Halloween box set. Um, you know that had a sync issue too. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's you could. I don't know if you. You oh, you got one that didn't have a sync issue. Yeah. It's yeah. not too noticeable except when they're shooting guns. Uh, at this one point, but I send an email to Amazon saying, "Hey, I heard you guys will just send out replacement discs." And the guy from Amazon said, oh, we don't have any more replacement discs. We'll just refund you the whole thing. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. <laughs> so now I have uh, like a quarter of a second sync issue for 10 minutes in the movie, but I got the $120 set for free. Yeah. Did you buy a, a new one? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, they just you refunded just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Little, little trick. The, the disc that they put in the replacement one is literally just the same disc that they gave out for... Um, Halloween 4 before the box set came out. Yeah. So, so I mean, if I really want to, I can just go pick up Halloween 4. Yeah. And But, but who's really buying Halloween yeah. 4? Let's be honest. Oh, I think Halloween 4 is... <laughs> is, that what, is that the one where he's on a boat? No. No. Okay. Is that the one where he's got the... Where there's 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 uh, porn stars everywhere? No. That's, okay. that's a wrong franchise. Wrong franchise, James! Dude, I don't know nothing about these movies. <laughs> hey, speaking of movies, this is what we watched this week. We uh we went on a long tangent there. We did Amazon. <laughs> yeah, man. But Amazon Prime's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> if you, just just in case you haven't heard about this Amazon thing, it's getting big. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to talk to James about Blood Rage. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, but Blood Rage has been put on like they've been a delayed pe- a pedestal. Yeah, <laughs> more yeah. like it. Yeah, but it's been delayed. I don't know six months. Well, because every week, like I, I specifically try to look for these dumb horror movies that are getting released. Like and they're not that dumb. he knows it all by. They're <laughs> right, <laughs> but they're like really nice Blu-ray releases of like super campy mm-hmm. older horror films. Um, and we've talked about Blood Rage probably four times. Because it keeps popping up as like, hey, it's coming out this week. And I'm like, wait a second, I feel like we talk-. And then by the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, we've definitely done Blood Rage before. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a cover that you look at it and you go like, oh, okay. Like it's, yeah. cause it's just real straightforward. Yeah, and so it's, it's funny because... Just I, the fact that you own it, I'm, I kind of like, we talked about it enough, I just want to sh- hold it. Yeah, I'll show it. Do you want me to go grab it for <laughs> no, you? No, it's okay. Um, you know what, I'm going to grab it for you, James, so you can look at it while I talk about it. Oh, okay. All right, great. That, that's going to be really, really worthwhile. Because it is such a piece of, of legend. <laughs> That like, wait, this this isn't wait, what the cover looks like at all. I, no, no, th- I've been looking at this thing on Amazon for so. Oh, there, no, nope. that's not it either. Open it up. Neither of these covers are. Well, how far do I have to dig to find the cover that I saw on the internet? Oh my goodness. There you go. It's a it's a reverse cover. Oh okay. It's way deep in there, man. Um, I just like that cover more. That's why I flipped them. Um, oh no, it's a way better cover. Yeah. Yeah. So the cover that James is talking about is like some douche guy with a knife. <laughs> yeah. And he just looks like a trucker with a machete. Yeah. But the funny thing is, James, is he's not a trucker. He's like this preppy guy. So <laughs> let, let me set up blood rage. With that you. hair and that like receding hairline, mm-hmm. he's a preppy guy? Yeah. Can I introduce it really quickly? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting for your enjoyment, the synopsis of blood rage. Thank you. <laughs> on, a, on a dark night at a drive-in. Two kids are in the back seat while their mom is fooling around with their boyfriend. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that one, that one, you literally, you said it and I was still staring at the cover and I was like, wait, did he just say that the mom is banging the boyfriend and yeah. the lady? Okay. So this is what happens. So they're at the drive-in and the kids are awake, but they think they're asleep. And the, you know, the boyfriend's like, forget about it. They're asleep. <laughs> and, uh, so then the kids sneak out of the back of their station wagon and while they're sneaking out of the back, Ted Raimi makes an appearance as a condom salesman. Um, and there's an you know a, a common uh, uh, a, a common thing job. that comes to your door yeah. each and every day. The funny thing <laughs> is, is, I haven't watched it yet, but he's in the movie. I don't know, maybe a minute. And there's an interview with him in, on the Blu-ray. <laughs> so I'm interested. Oh. Um, anyways, so while the kids uh, are going out, one of the boys, Todd, grabs a knife and, and murders. Um, no, Terry? Terry or Todd? I forget which one. It's Terry and Todd. Let's and just say Todd. Yeah, and they're twin brothers, played by this same guy at the end of the movie. But anyways, uh, so uh, he kills this guy, and then he smears blood on his brother, and the police think it's his brother. So his brother's put in a mental institute. But guess what, guys? This is a making a murderer shit. The real killer is out there. Well, yeah. And he... <laughs> Do so, people not know there's two of them? No, they do. Is it like a prestige thing where it's no. like, holy shit. No, they know there's two of them. Okay. But they think the crazy one is in the mental institution and the right. sane one is out. But no, my friend, this crazy one is the guy who's on the out. And so the movie is that his brother escaped from uh, the mental institution, like Halloween. The good brother. The, yeah. But they're like, oh, no, he's going to come and cause problems but there's no room for arg but he's not he's actually gonna like he's actually gonna like give money to you know homeless shelters he's coming to stop his other brother dude. oh okay his (laughs) other brother that's full of blood rage he really doesn't say that in the movie but i wish he did yeah but what he does say is 
it's not cranberry sauce. It's literally on the cover of yeah, the movie. Because this Thanksgiving, it's not cranberry sauce. Because he, he kills all these people on Thanksgiving, and he keeps on licking the blood. And he says, it's not cranberry sauce. Which, when you said that the you first know. time, it sounded like a line that should have been in the Thanksgiving trailer for Grindhouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, yeah. So this movie is so stupid, but in like a super campy that it's kind of fun to watch way. Right. Not that it's a great, it's a horrible movie. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's nothing cool about it. So there's this one part where, um, so the bad brother is murdering people. Right. And as uh, you do. Yeah, as you when do. you're a bad brother. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the doctor that's looking for the good brother who thinks he escaped shows up at the mom's house and she gets murdered and she's chopped in half and the good brother stumbles. Is this the mom of the brothers? Yes. Okay. So, so it's it, follow along if you can. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my best, Ryan. <laughs> so anyways, so she gets murdered, the doctor, and um the good brother finds her body and she's like cut in half, and he picks up like the lower half of her and puts it back together with the other part of her and goes, No. Yep. That Wait, happens in that movie. So, like, As he if find... he had to reassemble it to yeah. make sure it was his own mom. <laughs> he's like, this looks like her top half, but my mom always had legs. So here, here. <laughs> I wonder if these legs are hers. So here, you know what? Uh, we'll just, I'll just bring this back from the beginning. So in the Lego movie, or Lego guys, you know how their <laughs> legs come in half exactly like that? Yeah. That's what it looked like. And, and so he put it back to get her back together. And, <laughs> and then he goes, no. Yeah. yeah. He waits, yeah, he waits because he can't identify her without legs. But the best part of it is every time he grabs a murder, murder weapon it plays 80 synth music and so so let's say uh you pick up a knife and you know in sasha movies the camera is always on like the blade so he picks it up and it'll go boom 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 and he murders a bunch of people and at the end is played by the same guy the brothers yeah and but they always do like over the shoulder shots are they ever in the same shot together yeah but it's they ever do that composite thing they don't do the composite what they do is they they do do, over the shoulder and the dude's wearing a wig that's like so bad (laughs) (laughs) and at the end the mom kills the bad brother with the mom that's dead no so the doctor's dead no the doctor's doctor's dead dead. yeah the mom shoots the bad brother thinking that he is the bad brother Okay, so it's hard to explain. He shoots the bad brother thinking it's the good brother who she thinks is the bad brother. Exactly. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So, but when he says, no, mom, you shot Todd, she goes, Todd, I shot Todd, no, and then she shoots herself and that's the end of the movie. No. Yep. What? Because he's like, dude, he's like the tennis star and he has really cool hair. Oh, so like the goth kid is actually the good kid. Um, yeah, like, but they all like look the, the same. sort of yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's, well, of course, they look the same because they're played by the yeah, same. Yeah, it's a it's a really bad. <laughs> they're played film. by the same dude. Looks like a trucker. So that's my really long um descript description of uh Blood Rage. That's pretty what great. What year did it come out? Eighty three, uh, but it wasn't released until nineteen eighty seven. It's always a good sign. <laughs> um, but what I'm interested in is there's actually a different cut of the movie. It's released in America as Nightmare at Springwood. I don't even remember, but they had to insert a bunch of other things because it was too bloody. And, um, <laughs> I just like the title "Nightmare at Springwood." That's yeah. that's good enough for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you let's see, it's another Arrow release, and I, I on my top Blu-rays of last year, I put Society on there from Arrow, and they do a really good job making movies yeah. on Blu-ray. I like cause, this cover because they take really crappy movies that. No one cares. See, my next one I'm getting what? from them is the Mutilator. So what doesn't make sense here is like the cover here is 
So it's a it's a Thanksgiving table in the background. This is oh, like, it takes place on th- at Thanksgiving. No, I, yeah, I figured that out. Because um, why the hell else would anybody say it's not cranberry sauce? Uh, do you have cranberry sauce all year long? It, it's it's Easter. It's not cranberry sauce. <laughs> um, so the, the Easter bunnies uh, said he, let's go kick the Easter bunnies' ass. <laughs> so it's a it's a Thanksgiving table, right? And then in front, like in the foreground, there's just a severed hand holding a crushed tin can. Uh, there is a part. Is it a tin can of, of cranberry sauce? Uh, yeah, I think so, dude. But there's a. It, he's not holding. It a, is cranberry sauce. There, there is a uh, a severed hand in it. He doesn't. He isn't holding a can of cranberry sauce, but he chops some dude's hand off. Okay. The special effects are by the guy who did T two special effects. I guess that's a big deal. Um, mm. <laughs> they, we all got to start. Stan we all got to start somewhere, right? No, not Stan Winston. <laughs> um, I also uh, watched. I Zombie, which is the show, the show, cool, and it's made by Rob Thomas, based on a DC um, comic. Rob Thomas, the singer. Uh, Rob Thomas, the Veronica Mars creator. Oh yeah, I like him. Yeah, and the mo- show is actually really good. Really? Yeah, it's um, it stars this girl named Liv. Her name's <laughs> Liv Moore. <laughs> oh, I hate it already. Um, but anyways, she's this uh med student who's about to become a doctor, and she's about to become a heart surgeon, and. She- her fiance picks her up at the hospital and she says, Oh, I was invited to this party. And he says, You should go to a party. You never go to do anything fun. And while she's at the party, a zombie outbreak happens. Uh-oh. And uh, she gets uh, scratched by a zombie and she dies. Right. But she comes back. Right. And so in it, she and solves. Then she, she eats her boyfriend. No. No, she solves crimes by eating uh, people's brains that come in, like murder victims. That's awesome. And so when she eats them, it's kind of like uh, warm bodies where Ooh. she gets like their memories. So it's like pushing daisies like yeah. in a creepy, like like it's a detective thing, but yeah. all these people are dead and, and I have to eat their brains. And the cool thing is, is cool. It's, it's a lot like Angel where each episode is self-contained, yeah. but there's an over arc to the right. show. Yeah. Um, and the show's really good. It's pretty fun. It has a Veronica Mars vibe where she does um, voiceover throughout the whole thing. Cool. Um, and they have, I mean, the mysteries are, you know, TV mysteries, so it's yeah. not that great, but it's still pretty gory. And It was the jealous boyfriend the whole time. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, it's cool because she doesn't understand why she's a zombie, and there's other zombies around town, and what happens if they don't eat is they, that's how they decay and become the zombies that people know. So, so in this world, once you become a zombie, you start off being like a person, but yeah. you used to be dead. Yeah. Um, and if you don't eat brains, you turn into like uh, like a exactly. Mama zombie. Exactly. Oh, okay. And there's no coming back from it uh, so yeah. far into the show. Um, right. but it's it's cool. Like they have a the other like doctor, and he's pretty funny in it. Um, and it's really witty, like Veronica Mars. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I actually think it's Veronica Mars with zombies. And cool. I, I was actually shocked. Uh, I picked it up because I got a gift card to Best Buy for my in-laws. And when I was at Best Buy a couple weeks ago, it was like $9 a whole season. I was like, whatever. Yeah. You know, I've heard good things about it. And yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. Very cool. Um, so I, I was, yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised. The only bummer is it's only on DVD. And what? Yeah. I know. Oh. I think it's on Netflix. Then I'll just watch it. On yeah, Netflix. I'd watch it on Netflix because at least Netflix, <laughs> it'll be like seven twenty. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was really surprised on how much fun I had watching Guy Zombie because when I first read about it, I was a lot like you, James. Like that looks stupid. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to watch that. Um. And I just it just it, it looks like one more zombie show. 
Like it, it seemed like it was just in the yeah, you know, on the bandwagon. But it's pretty clever. Uh, sorry, I watched a lot of stuff. Um, I watched uh, Cake, which is the Jennifer Aniston movie. That's where... the one where on the on the cover she's just staring at you and she yeah. looks sad. Yeah, okay. in it she plays um, this lady who suffers from chronic pain, and you kind of find out more about her as you watch the film. Uh, you it, you kind of find out that her uh, she was involved in an accident that killed her son. Hmm. And uh, so she's this really kind of um, horrible person now because she's kind of shut off from the world and she's a drug addict. And so she's addicted to the pain medicine. Um, and she's really good in this movie. And the movie is actually – it's weird that they, they pitch it as this drama, but it's actually kind of a black comedy where uh, Jennifer Aniston, she's in this support group. And one of their support group people kills herself who's played by Anna Kendrick. She uh, Yeah, she throws herself off. Uh, a highway, and so every so the movie kind of opens with this, and everyone's sad. And like Jennifer it. Aniston says, "Isn't it true that she jumped off the highway and she fell onto a used furniture truck, and they didn't find her until she, he got to Mexico?" <laughs> and so it's like this really weird, <laughs> like uh, yeah, like black comedy like that. Yeah. where you, you laugh at wow. it. And you're like, oh, should I be laughing at this? <laughs> um, but she's really good in it, and uh, throughout the course of the film, she meets Sam Worthington. You. And he doesn't have an American accent. He keeps his Australian one, so that's good. Oh, good for him. Um, and he, Way to act. Yeah, he plays uh, Anna Kendrick's husband. So she kind of lies to him about meeting him because she, she wants to see how her husband's handling losing his wife because she wants to, my guess is, quantify it with what she's going through. Right. And so they kind of just become friends. And while she's there hanging out he she starts hallucinating with anna kendrick so anna kendrick is kind of like a ghost and she says what are you doing with my, my bed you fucking slut is she like a wacky cool ghost <laughs> yeah she like yeah a... it's it's really she's like pretty funny in it oh, like okay, I said, good. She, she pops up and says what are you doing in my fucking bed you slut she's like hey i didn't sleep with him yeah but you're in my fucking bed with my husband it's pretty funny um and the movie's actually really good when you told me that anna kendrick dies at the beginning i was out and then now yeah. that she comes back i'm like okay all right yeah and it's uh it's just a really fascinating exploration um it came out 2015. It'll probably be in my top, I don't know, 30, um, yeah. just because there's so many good movies. But it was better than I thought it was going to be. Cool. Um, I also watch superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like the the scary movie superhero movie yep. movie? I remember going to see that in the theater with Which, with uh, it was, that was like the the movie of the week for high school. When you're in high school, you have the, your movie of the week. Yeah, that was one of the movies of the week. <laughs> uh... I, I don't I don't think it's horrible. I mean, it's not a good movie, but there's actually some pretty clever bits in it. Sure, <laughs> isn't Leslie Nielsen in that? He one is. Oh, okay. who does he play in it again? He plays Uncle Ben's character. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there's pretty stupid parts, but it's also produced and written by the Zuckers, so it kind of has an airplane vibe to it. I mean, the parts I laughed at the most is uh, Stephen Hawking is in it. Obviously not him, oh, but okay. there's, he's going on his wheelchair and he's at this science fair, and this student comes up and she says, Mr. Hawking, I want to show you my diorama of the planets and he's like wow you have a great ass and she turns us like he's astronomy career ahead of you <laughs> <Some stupid laughs> like that. and then he falls into these kill this killer bee exhibit <laughs> he goes ow shit 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 <laughs> it's stupid but it's funny uh, every once in a while you just have to watch stupid stuff to yeah. get over it and uh, uh the last thing i watched is uh my comic book movie thing continued is dylan dog dead of night Another. is that the movie with superman in it yep. with brandon routh and yeah i so i went up and it's 
the one of the lowest grossing superhero movies of all time. It's wow. made like one point eight million dollars. I love the zombie support group scene. Um, yeah, it's, it's see, here's the thing: is it's not the disaster I thought it was going to be. Yeah, but I mean, it's not great. But you know, when you see a movie that does does so poorly and no one had any faith in it, the Blu-ray literally has no special features on it. Wow, you're like, you're like, oh man, I don't know. And so it's it's about Brandon Routh. I don't know. He plays a, a private investigator who his job before the, all this was he was in charge of keeping the vampires and the zombies and the werewolves like in check. So okay. and they he would basically work for them and keep them hidden from everybody. But then the vampires killed his wife and he went ape crazy and he killed all the vamp like the vampire elders. He like shot them all. So he doesn't do that supernatural um investigations anymore. And it's really cliched. Like there's lots of cliched parts in it. He has a partner in it and well, he's like his assistant and his partner says, man, when are you going to make me, you know, your full-time partner? He said, I don't I bet you didn't know this, but I work alone. <laughs> and he has stuff like that. And uh, there's a part where he's with this girl and he says, I don't want to tell you this, but your dad was killed by a werewolf. And there's always these beats in it. And it's, it's not that Brandon Routh is bad. It's just the writing's not good. Yeah. And I mean, there's some cool parts. There's actually a really sweet, like, uh, transformation of one of the vampires um but it's not that good and the the werewolves in it look like uh the 90s tells from the crypt werewolves where they're not convincing at all yeah. <laughs> um, is it so, is it better or worse than priest it's worse than priest okay priest at least has really good actors and i thought priest was shot really well oh, okay this one seems like a guy put a camera there and it's like okay you're fighting a fucking vampire dude i don't okay. know i don't know punch it man yeah. punch it it, uh, it came to the theater that I worked at um, back when it was released in theaters, <coughs> and I was waiting for it for so long because I remember the Comic Con panel. And I don't know, I, I agree with you. It's not, it's nothing special by any means, but it's I, there was a bit of a charm to it that I totally yeah. dug. Um, like I don't I, think like it's I a total said, disaster. Oh yeah, and Brandon Routh. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He's a talented guy. Yeah, like he certainly knows how to entertain. Like, yeah, for, I, for better or worse. I don't think it's his fault. The movie. I mean, I think the directing in it's really bland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree. And it's you know it needed to be rated R. Um, I definitely agree on that one. But yeah, it would have been a lot more fun. <laughs> there's some clever moments in it, but I mean, again, it's not as horrible as I thought it was going to be. But it's nothing special. Mm. And that's what I watched this week. Cool. Cool, cool. Zach, what have you watched recently? I didn't watch Blood Rage, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the cranberry sauce, bro. It's not the cranberry sauce in my life. Um, what did I watch this week? Um, I've been through the classics ringer um, since I've been um, you know, just kind of recollecting, um, uh, re- reassessing my collection and now transferring it to Blu-ray. Cool. I've been picking up a lot of stuff, but I've also picked up some DVDs and stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, so I watched Rio Bravo on Blu-ray. Ooh, cool. Rio Bravo on Blu-ray looked incredible. Really? But that movie in general is still holds up as just one of John Wayne's best. Yeah. Um, it's also got Ricky Nelson and uh, Dean Martin plays the dude, um, which is really really cool. Huh. Um, plays a drunk uh, a drunk gunslinger who's trying to go sober. So I, it was it was a great character that like, i i've i mean i've seen rio bravo before but i hadn't watched it through um uh 
through an older lens, like th- yeah. being older and seeing it, like seeing all the different things in between it. Cause I think I saw Rio Bravo when I was like 12 yeah. and it just, I, so it, it's a different experience when you're much older. Um, and it also, you know, pretty much the movie assault on precinct 13 is Rio Bravo. Right. So, you know, you're watching the, the origins of that, which is really neat. There's also a commentary on the Blu-ray by John Carpenter. Oh, cool. Um, and if, uh, a film historian, I, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, uh, so I watched that. Um, I watched uh, Gone with the Wind on Blu-ray. That's a good movie, man. Um, and, and uh, to to iterate, part of why I picked up Gone with the Wind was that I've been picking up a lot of seventy movies that were not either either a roadshow engagement or shot on seventy millimeter. After going to the Hateful Eight, I got really into yeah. The idea of like, well, I haven't Getting watched something. smacked and like been kissing somebody. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a second, Ryan. <laughs> does, does anybody want a happy hippo? What the hell is a happy hippo? They're like these uh, like chocolate like filled uh, little crispy crackers. Yeah, I'll have a happy hippo. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take one. Sounds um, good. But so anyway. A happy I, hippo? Sure, I'll have a happy hippo. I got those for Laura and I put them in her uh, stocking, but in truth, I really wanted them. So. I eat them. Wait, do I eat the whole thing all at once? No, dude, you gotta savor each bite because it has like chocolate sprinkles on it. Oh they're, man, they're pretty good. Oh, oh god, it's, it's shaped like a hippo in the water. All right, so fuck the podcast. I'm gonna promote Happy Hippos now. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get them at World Market? Mm. But uh, while you're eating, oh, that's that, fantastic. Yeah, while you're eating that, Zach, that's actually one of my next uh, things I'm gonna do too. That's why you, when you asked me what movie, I was like, well, I'm you know, eyeballing Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. Not, uh, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Because I have that. I still need to watch Casablanca again, Gone with the Wind. Um, I have The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. I have all these, like, you know, cool movies from, you know, 30s and 40s that I really want to watch. Yeah. And so Gone with the Wind, like, to get to that is that I can't really talk much about the story because that's a debate in and of itself <laughs> that could go on for hours. Um, what I will say is, is that I found it very uh, stunning on Blu-ray, like visually, oh, like yeah. the 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 visual technique and camera work in that film is absolutely incredible, and especially on Blu-ray, it looks magnificent. Like the transfer is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that on Blu-ray, like a fence in front in front of a like matte painting looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like like those those early shots of like the sun rising, and you're you know it's not real. But you're still, it's, you're really just on a small set of a fence and like somebody riding a horse up to the fence. And you're, you're like, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like it looks so good. And that Gone with the Wind is a great movie is pretty amazing because the tumultuous production of that film is yeah. unbelievable. Well, oh, it's, yeah. It's just and, so long. And, and if you go through the Blu-ray, they, they, they talked about like, it's well, one, it's a long movie. It's four hours long. Yeah. I had to watch it in segments. And so for it to um, stand up, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later... And still be oh, it's more a, than 50 an entertaining years. It's, it's yeah, like 75. 70, 75 yeah, years. Yeah, right. Shit, man. 1939, um, baby. Yep. So it's 19, for, the, the for Hollywood's the, best year, according to my article, which you can read at realnerdspodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, for it to still be an entertaining movie, because there's a lot of movies like that, Lawrence of Arabia being one of them, for me at least, where like it's great, but then there's also parts where you're like, oh man, like this is sluggish. When I watched Gone with the Wind, I, I it was uh, two years ago when I when I watched it for the first time. And I'd never seen it before. And I was just like enthralled the whole time, going like, "This is great! 
Like, I, I, don't, I thought I was going to like get a little bored and pay attention to something else during parts of it. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Hmm. God, happy hippos are my new favorite thing. They're like they're like cookie eclairs. Yeah, because there's like there's like filling, there's chocolate and cream filling on the inside of like a cookie hippo. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. I just love the name too, Happy Hippo. Yeah, because hippos are really scary in real life, but I think as cartoons, yeah. they're really funny. Uh huh. Especially when they wear tutus and dance around with crocodiles. <laughs> Fantasia. Tchaikovsky <laughs> was that. Was that? Uh, music we're using of that one? Uh, Tchaikovsky. Or Stokowski. Stokowski. Leopold Stokowski. Yep. Um, and then he meets Pope and like, Hello, Leopold! <laughs> um, uh, anyway, Gone with the Wind. Uh, visually holds up. I can't really speak to the story because the story, again, like I said, is a controversial issue. Yeah. Um, but Clark Gable is still amazing in that movie. Oh, yeah. um, and also, on the visual front, I don't know what they did to clean it up, and I don't know what uh, print they were uh, working off of but the scene where you see all the soldiers lying on the mm-hmm. battlefield that's like a painting on blu-ray it's absolutely beautiful painting on blu-ray um so the other uh the other films that i got in this big collection that i got was uh the public enemy nice. uh, on uh dvd sadly did you get they don't the, have the blu-ray did you get the golden year like the warner brothers like set from 1939 uh it uh I, I it has the documentary on it. It says nineteen thirty nine Hollywood's greatest year. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't get the um uh, did Warner Brothers put that out? I think they did. Yeah, Warner Brothers put out uh Gone with the Wind on Blu ray. Yeah. Um so yeah, it has a documentary called Nineteen Thirty Nine Hollywood's Greatest Year, which has doc, doc uh, it talks a little bit about Ninotonchka, um uh stagecoach, Mr. Sith Goes to Washington. Oh, All these other films. To Washington. It's yeah. such a good film. Oops, sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, Who doesn't love fucking Jimmy Stewart? Oh, Golly. God. <laughs> Mary! <laughs> not, that's not, it's not that Jimmy Stewart. It's a different type of Jimmy Stewart. I just can't help it. When um, I think of Jimmy Stewart, I just want to... My mouth's bleeding! <laughs> Mary, it's not, it's not my money. It's the bank's or It's not the bank's money. It's my money and your money and his money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's my favorite. One of my favorite Simpsons oh. gabs is when Bart... Walks into the bank and goes, what do you mean the bank is out of money? <laughs> but uh, anyway, The Public Enemy, one of the first gangster movies. Well, not one of the first gangster Michael movies. Michael Mann's. No. No, no, no. I said the same thing. In the William class. Wellman's The Public Enemy with James Cagney. And it is. Does this one not look like it was shot for a History Channel reenactment? No, it looks like it was shot like a movie. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good. Um, <laughs> sorry, Michael. Mann. I'm in Public Enemy. See, <laughs> that's Mike Cagney. That's that's your Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, that film still holds up, and visually, it's interesting. There's this one cool scene where, so basically, the movie is about Tom Powers who rises up as a gangster during Prohibition. Um, standard story that you've seen before in some of these older gangster movies. There's this beautiful scene where their old, one of their old enemies, um, that goes on the lamb after a job goes south, uh, is walking down the street and a black cat crosses his path. And you wouldn't think any of it. It's just a black pat, a black cat crossing the path. And then all of a sudden that's when James Cagney and, um, his partner come down the road and grab the guy and take him into the room and shoot him. Mm. So it's just like stuff like that. Like, Good little choreography. It's almost like Scarface when you see the X's in Scarface, the original 1933 Scarface. I was gonna say, what? yeah, not the not, <laughs> not the not the abomination. Not, not the o- is great. Not the not overrated. The, <laughs> um, the most overrated movie of all time. Agreed. 
Um, and then, um, and then I saw, uh, uh, two, uh, other films. The first one being, um, uh, uh, sorry, The Hateful Eight, um, which I got to watch and I, I put it on my list as number one at the, of, of the year. Um, mainly because I feel like that film is, Ultimately, it comes down to how much fun did I have during a movie. Yeah. Um, and that's the one I had the most fun at because I usually have fun during Quentin's films. Cool. And this one in particular reminded me of some like Dirty Dozen meets uh, Dirty Dozen meets How the West Was Won <laughs> type of vibe, <laughs> which is really, which is really hard. To, it's it's hard. There's a lot of different comparisons you can make. You can also compare it to Agatha Christie story like 10 little indians or you can compare it to a bunch of different things but ultimately what i loved about it was the roadshow engagement but also the story in general like (coughs) some interesting social commentary in there that i don't Mm -hmm. know if it was intentionally put in there or not but like when you get to the final scene like i thought that final scene was the most mature um some of the most mature writing and uh uh execution of shot uh delivery in tarantino's career uh, I thought it was an yeah, absolutely yeah. wonderfully, wonderfully mature piece of work that I thought. I, I'm I, I'm I'm sad that it's not getting the attention that I think it deserves, but again, it isn't a it is my opinion on what I think of that movie. So ultimately, it's what it is going to be. But I've seen it twice now, and I'm going back again tomorrow night. Cool. Like I'm just I, I I'm I'm pumped. We got another Tarantino movie, guys. It's awesome. Um, and then the well, last apparently only going to get ten. So. You know. <laughs> That's why it sucks so bad when he does one. Out of context, James. Out of context. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last movie that I saw um, was a documentary (laughs) called You Must Remember This, The Story of Warner Brothers. Cool. There's a reason that I'm bringing this up. So on this podcast before, I've talked about the MGM story, When the Lion Roars, which if you have Gone with the Wind on (coughs) Blu-ray, you have that disc. Sweet. And it's six hours of Patrick Stewart narrating the story of MGM, Dude. which is the most hilarious thing on the planet. That's cool. Until I saw, you must remember this, with Clint Eastwood narrating the story of Warner Brothers. <laughs> and at some point in Warner Brothers history, they get to Clint Eastwood's career. And that's when Clint Eastwood gets introspective. <laughs> he gets like, to narrate his own When they story. show clips of him and this with... Is when I, uh... Made fun of Mexicans in Gran Torino. Then I I was the pale writer, and I I got there, and they said, Now, Clint, don't talk much. You're just going to shoot people. And I didn't know what to do, but they told me I was in the line of duty. There's a part where he he, – they're talking about Every Which Way But Loose, which if you haven't seen Every Which Way But Loose – you are Monkey. so such you're such sad people. It's a wonderful movie where Clint Eastwood hangs around with a fucking monkey and goes. Actually, is it orangutan? Orangutan, yes. Sorry, <laughs> An orangutan. Thank you, Scott Schulte. <laughs> um, but um, the uh, uh, the documentary when they get to that part about like when Clint was talking about working with a monkey, I said, Clint, are you out of your mind? And then it cuts to Clint narrating, going like, "People thought that I had gotten off my rocker." <laughs> and the whole time, it's the most surreal thing you've ever heard. Yeah, it's. It, and then he starts talking about like Unforgiven and um, Bronco Billy, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, these make sense." But when he's talking about the monkey or the the orangutan movie, I'm like, 
oh my god, this is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. Because the documentary is taking itself seriously and Clint's doing a good job narrating it. But it seems that when they get to his involvement in that studio's history, it turns into yeah. his unofficial autobiography. <laughs> when and I, I absolutely love it. When I when I got to the to the <laughs> set for Paint Your Wagons, they said, Clint, can you sing and dance? And I said, you're damn right I can. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm Clint. Here's you a, just watch me dance. Watch Jay, me paint that wagon. I'll dance on your neck. Gonna paint your wagon. Gonna paint it. Clean. Just stay off my lawn. <laughs> Here's anyway, a, here's a five point suppository. What? I said, stick it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so that's also <laughs> that's what you want. Um, oh, that. Oh, and uh, also check out uh, the Clint Eastwood series. It's going to be continuing. Um, but I watched Grand Torino again. Cool. Uh, I'm going to save my big thoughts for the review to read online. But sure. that film was so good. But I just realized if if I ever read that the Alamo does a quote along of that movie, I'm gonna find Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find Steve and go. That's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's just like nobody should be doing quote alongs to begin with, from in my opinion. But to do a quote along of Gran Torino, if somebody were to do that, it'd be like, I gotta see how this plays out. <laughs> Ten bucks. Here we go. <laughs> I got I got to set, and they said, "Now, Clint, are you comfortable saying a lot of racial slurs?" And I said. <laughs> I invented racial slurs. <laughs> and he's like, wait, I'm a Republican. It's cool. <laughs> hey! I'm gonna uh, talk to this chair. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's what I watched this week. They said, hey, Clint, we don't have a song to end this. And I said, did you ever see Paint Your Wagons? Because I can sing and dance. Bitter hums and bitter dreams grow. <laughs> Grand Torino. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because I actually do love it. Like, I have that song. <laughs> I do have that song on my iPod, and I will listen to it and get. Because when it gets to the Jamie Cullum part, that's when it gets beautiful, and it's like, oh, this yeah. is a beautiful melody. Eventually, gets- but when he's singing it at the beginning, you're just like, wow, this is really interesting. And seeing it in theaters, like that song starts, and I remember sitting with my parents and just going, oh, oh, oh no, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> Where am I? And why am I doing this? Uh, yeah, anyway. It's a good movie. We'll move on. Anyway, moving on. James, what did you watch this week? Uh, so, a couple of things. I um, watched a little movie called The Petrified Forest. Uh, really? Yeah, that, that Zach actually got me yesterday uh, for Christmas, which was really nice. And uh, The Petrified Forest is the, um, it's sort of the breakout movie for hum- Humphrey Bogart. And uh, he plays this, uh, it, okay, so... It's, That's Duke Mantee, right. the world famous gangster, you can tell and he's, he's hungry. You can tell he's a murderer because his chin. <laughs> um, and he, uh, so it basically it takes place in a diner slash gas station out in the middle of nowhere, out in the desert. A last chancer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Literally, like the first scene is like some guy like, "Hey, this is your last chance to get gas," you know, in some car that like probably you know runs out of gas every ten miles anyway. So there's one of these every ten miles out in the desert. Uh, and they're at one of them, and there's this pretty girl. She likes poetry, and there's sort of this meathead there, and he likes to hit on girls. And then this, like, intellectual dude comes into town, and he's from Europe, and he doesn't have any money. And they talk for a while, and she just becomes infatuated with him, because he, he basically, um, symbolizes for her, like, 
everything that she actually wants in her life. Like, she wants to be able to get out of this little last chance gas station and, like, go see Europe and be an, an intellectual and, like, be a part of society in a bigger way. But she feels very stuck in the desert. Um, and then this gangster shows up and basically keeps, like, holds them hostage for the second half of the movie. Um, and that's Humphrey Bogart. Uh, and it's based on a play. Um, that, you know, they had done for a while, and apparently this is exactly like the script. It's a, it's a really cool movie. It's a, it's a very, like, it reminds me a lot of, um, A Good Man is Hard to Find, which is the Flannery O'Connor story, um, which, I mean, I, I hate to admit I like A Good Man is Hard to Find a little bit better, but it's, you can't make a TV or a movie out of that. Um, and, uh, Bogart is, is really cool. Um, talking like that to an old man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. The, the one thing, so Zach and I talked about this in the car. Um, so you're supposed to like this French dude. Um, cause he really is like the main character, sort of, of the movie. Like, he and Bogart end up having these conversations and this whole back and forth. And that's a big part of what's good about the movie is watching those guys, you know, talk. Um, the problem is, is that when he introduces himself, like, he, He's like very, you know, highfalutin and like, oh, I'm I'm the last of the intellectuals and like I I'm the I'm probably the only man in the world who can tell you about nature and about all this stuff. And he's just like he's it's just way over the top. And so I read the like when I'm watching the movie the first time, I'm like, dude, this guy's clearly a, either an asshole or a serial murderer. <laughs> like this guy is not a good guy. I thought for sure he could, and they talk about like, oh, this gangster's coming into town or, or is, is out there and he might come by. And so I was like, oh, this guy's the gangster. You just don't know it. Like, I thought that was going to be the twist. No, I'm supposed to like this guy. I just didn't realize it because he was being such a dick. Um, so that was unfortunate, but just one of those things about when you, when you go back to some of those older movies, like the first time you watch it, you don't always read it correctly the first well, time. I know that in that Kiss Me Deadly, uh, Mike Hammer, He's like the main character, and he's a piece of shit. So, <laughs> yeah, it it happens. Um, it's it's a it's a character that it, it's. I've I've written a couple different papers on this before, like this film before, because I do find it fascinating. It's it's a guy who essentially is trying to find the answer to the question of how do I how do I fulfill my life without um without money without without love without fame and stuff like that it, it, it is a good question to ask in a period of time when nothing was being churned out but musicals yeah <laughs> um in the 30s and stuff so it's it's highbrow for its time yeah. um and I, I i just find it fascinating I, I would easily put it in one of my top 25 movies of all time yeah I, I think it's a good movie once it's over and once i realized like what it was actually doing i think it was just it's it's heavy-handed because that's just the way it was written <laughs> Um, and today watching it, I misread the heavy handedness, you know, um, which is just, it's a, it's a danger when you're going back to this and saying those movies slightly, um, not out of context. Well, I mean, yeah, culturally out of context. Right. Do you guys um, know what the last movie Humphrey Bogart was in? Uh, it's cars. The, it's not beat the devil. No, I don't. I, I'm... it's a uh, last action hero. Oh, really? That's yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're teamed up <laughs> with the 1939 digitized version of Humphrey Bogart. That's funny. <laughs> he also appeared that's in Tales from the Crypt. To quote to quote to quote Looney Tunes back in action. Well, that's just cheating. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I also started watching Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Nice. Um, which I'm two or three episodes in. Now I can't remember. Um, I don't know. They, they found her mom. Yeah, that's a great episode. Do you still, I still think they should yeah. be an hour long. <laughs> yes. The 30 minutes is too short. Yes. Um, cause they do, they end up feeling like, I, I think the reason they did it is that they end up feeling a little bit like, like a skit, like an Ash skit, you know? So like, yeah. especially like that dinner sequence is a really great sequence, but that's basically the whole episode. Yeah. Um, to some degree. And um, I don't know if they did that too, cause I, I think maybe people, they don't know how much of Ash people can take. Mm. And that's the thing with Ash is, you know, everyone thinks he's, <coughs> you know, this really cool guy, but his character is really not that good of a person. No. And, um, I love when they're like, when the, when the detective comes and it's interviewing his neighbors mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, he's, he's just a real asshole. Yeah. He's always bringing hookers over. Yeah. And this one time he, he brought him over and then he's like, shouting like weird incantations and doing spells and stuff we don't that was weird yeah the uh, the season finale is great yeah oh man yeah because I, i'm really enjoying it they uh he does something in it that is so his character yeah that if you didn't know the character it'd probably piss you off because yeah. you're like why did why would a main character do something like this <laughs> but it's right up ash's alley <laughs> and it's uh so when you get there, we'll talk about it because I don't. Sure. Want, I don't want to spoil it. No, but. I probably won't talk about it again until I finish it. The um, uh, the whole style of like, like the way that they go, they go into the the opening title seat cards and all that yeah. stuff, and like just how over the top the blood oh, and right. violence is, and it's not, it's not go- like, it's almost so silly that I'm like, oh, I could show this to my mom. She wouldn't enjoy it. Like she wouldn't it's watch evil, it and be evil like. Too- Dead. It's, it's Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2. 2 yeah. Evil Dead 2 gore, where it's yeah. so over the top. Like, yeah. Um, but there are a couple where I was like, oh, that's yeah. pretty... Like, the in the second episode, when, when he finally gets the... Uh, I guess I... What's the second episode? When he gets the mom's head, yeah. and he finally cuts her head yeah. off. Um, <laughs> and that one's like a really slow... Like, he takes his time yeah. taking it off. Um, I think it's cool that they got Amy one's... Rogers to be the mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was, she was pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, especially when she's pretending to be normal. She's just like, I, you know, I just don't remember. I just, I was in the car and I went over the edge and I, I'm just glad to have my family back. You're like, ha ha. Uh, or when he just punches her. Oh gosh. It was so funny. Like for no good reason. Yeah, he just awesome. like hauls off and <laughs> smacks her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Was great. But I was glad that like they, they play that beat just long enough. If they had taken it and made it be like, like she continued to pretend she was the mom, I was like, oh man, you're yeah. gonna drag this joke out too far. And they they got it just right. Yep, you I know, agree. like they let it play, and then she stands up and she's evil, and he's like, oh good. Yep. <laughs> he even says like, oh, I was really starting to feel like an asshole about yeah. that one. <laughs> and I was really worried because that's the first episode that Sam Raimi wasn't involved in. Oh really? I mean, he did the first one and he directed the first, the first one. one. Yeah. He wrote and directed the first one. The second <laughs> one is written and directed by the showrunner. Oh, okay. And so I'm like, oh man, you know, Sam Raimi, but he did a pretty good yeah, job. Like, is he so. gonna is he gonna drop off yeah, right away? Yeah. But it doesn't. They, they, yeah. The show is pretty solid. There's some hiccups along the way, and I'm I'm sure that like the the Sam Raimi crew is involved enough that like yeah. there's enough direction and and, uh, and, and tutelage it, there. That... When I say hiccups, I mean it's just you know right. not every episode can be balls to the wall. Yeah, Sam Raimi style. So yeah, it's still every episode's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and so the very last thing is that I started sort of as my as my start off the new year sort of thing. Um, last year I finally bought all of the seasons of Lost on Blu-ray, nice. so I've been watching through them. Um, so I started that this week, and I'm already almost done with season one. 
because um, I've I've just been burning through it. I am having so much fun rewatching this show. Uh, there's so many things where, uh, like little lines of dialogue and little throwaway moments where I'm like, oh shit, like that's not just a it's not just a throwaway yeah. moment. Like that's really there for a reason, and like they're really saying something that is not going to pay off for two seasons. But they're talking about something very core to this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the in the pilot episode, there's little lines about like, you know, where somebody will say to Kate, like, Kate, you don't have to always, you know, or uh, you know, you you, um, you can stop running, mm-hmm. right? And that line is very important to that yeah. character. We just don't. We're not going to find out about that for six or seven episodes. And see, what's cool is I, I think you know because I, I watched Lost after I met you. And you kept on saying, no, you got to watch Lost. And I had the benefit of watching, I think, the first five seasons in a, yeah. in a row, like yeah. not interrupted. And I, you know, I think that's why I love the show so much is because watching it week to week and yeah. waiting for a new season to start would be really hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because was, was so they also had the writer strike yeah. at one point. So. They had the writer strike. They had, the, they had season three. And you've got a lot of like television now is a very, very different medium than it was back oh, then. Yeah. Um, and so you go through. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and like, and he was like, "Yeah, I have a feeling that like when you get to season into season two, like you're gonna start, you know, straining a little bit." Because he was like, "That's about when I I remember doing that." And I was like, "Yeah, you you do." Because season three is the worst season, and the reason it's the worst season is that that's when it's not until the middle of season three that they made the agreement with ABC to end the show. Because at that time, you you weren't allowed to do that. You you yeah. weren't allowed to write your show to an ending. Um, and so in season three, there's, I mean, and, and they, Dave Lindelof and Carlton Cuse on their podcast that they did along with the show even talked about the fact that like, there was a point at which they literally just put their main characters into cages because if their characters were out somewhere, they had to progress the story. And if they progressed the story, they were getting closer to an ending that they weren't allowed to do. So it was just like, they had to drag things out. And that's when you get episodes about, you know, Hey, where did Jack's tattoos come from? I love which, that episode. <laughs> but it, but it was frustrating to people who wanted to know more, right? It yeah, was frustrating I mean, to people who wanted to move forward. And, yeah, right. Um, and it's not—it's not a terribly great Jack episode. Like when no. you compare it to like the the season one, the Jack. season two opener, um, where he fixes his wife. Like mm-hmm. that episode is one of my favorite episodes of television. You compare it to the Jack Jack's tattoos episode, and you're like, I just—I already about, get I, Jack. Like I don't I, need. I it. forget about that episode. Yeah, like I don't, I don't need it. Yeah, like oh, his tattoos say Outlander or Outsider in a in a different language, like. Okay. And yeah. one time he was in Asia and he got beat yeah. up by some dudes. Like it doesn't doesn't actually affect his character in the way that all the other episodes actually do yeah. have an impact. Yep. Um I got to watch and, that show again. Yeah. I, I mean there's there's so many little nuggets and like nods to things that are gonna happen. <coughs> um that uh yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's just really fun. One of the one of the plots that I I don't remember appreciating as much as I do this time is uh Sun and Jin and what an interesting story it is to have these characters that that at least at the beginning of the show don't speak English and the way that causes tension in the group like just for them to explore that and say like hey what's the what's the paranoia um and how does race like dig its way into that paranoia um if the show didn't have a crazy mystery that would be a really fascinating thing on its own um, and so then you, you know, you add in like, Hey, there's also this weird hatch thing that's got these weird numbers on it or whatever. Um, yeah. It, and there's also some fun things where like, 
as as that guy mm-hmm. uh, who watches that show and really loves that show and listens to people gripe about like, oh, they don't answer anything, or like, oh, this never made any sense. And I'm watching through it, and I'm like, they totally knew what they were doing. Like now I watch it, and I like like when Hurley goes back to the insane asylum and meets the guy who introduced him to the numbers. And was just sitting there mumbling about them. Everything he says as he gets pulled away perfectly matches up with yep. somebody who was in that hatch and was tortured by pushing that button constantly. Yep. Like it it makes perfect sense, but Dude. if you watched it if you watched that show and you didn't and you were just like, Well, you learned it from that guy and you didn't piece that together or you didn't really pay close attention to it, like you thought that, that do- you think that doesn't line up. Like you're like, oh well, that guy. The numbers were over here, and they're over here, and they're over here. Like, why do they line up? Why don't? They, why does it never make sense? It totally makes sense, mm-hmm. and they even write it in a way that it allows it to line up. Um, I'm not saying the show's always perfect. It's just always fucking dope. Yeah, it's so good. It makes Man. me. Uh, who's the actor who plays Ben? Um. Oh shit, uh, Michael Emerson. Every time I see him, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't care what he's doing. You know what I mean? I don't care what you're doing, man. Yeah. I just don't trust you. Would you me. like him better if somebody was to uh, say hello to him? Like, hello's up. <laughs> uh, I I haven't gotten to Ben yet. I'm so excited to get into the later seasons now. Um, I'm, they're about to they're about to push off on the raft. Nice. Uh uh-huh. Yep. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's what I've been watching. It speaks volumes to me to know that my favorite thing about <laughs> Lost is when they made that Family Guy joke about Cade. You don't get it. We are the island. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I'm going to do a segment we haven't done in a while, and this is Ooh. a comic book you should get. Hey, man, read this. I told you, I don't like horror comics. Think of it more as a survival manual. There's a number on the back. And pray that you never need to call us. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Now, one of the... I don't remember how to read. Yeah. One of my... (laughs) I love everything about this podcast, but one of the times (laughs) of the podcast that I was most upset was my favorite Spider-Man writer was at Denver Comic-Con, and he sat down. He said for 15... He he could only sit 15 minutes with us. He sat down with us for an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, man. And uh, his name is Joe Kelly. Yeah. And he's the head of Man of Action Studios. And he's so good. He just put out uh, Spider-Man Deadpool number one. Ooh. And it is fantastic. Really? Because Joe Kelly is a great Deadpool writer. I'm not even a Deadpool fan. Yeah. But in Spider-Man uh, 611, he wrote a Deadpool Spider-Man story drawn by Scotty Young, which is one of the coolest Spider-Man stories that's come out in a long time. Yeah. And um, what I always liked about it and what Joe Kelly is really good at doing with Spider-Man is he knows Spider-Man's voice so well. <laughs> so there's a part in 611 where um, Deadpool has this thing where he breaks the fourth wall. If you've seen the trailers for the Deadpool movie, you, he breaks the fourth wall in the movie. Yeah. Um, in the comics, he does that too. And he's so there's this, these panels where he's talking to the reader and he's yapping. And then Spider-Man swoops down and he says, who are you talking to? There's nobody <laughs> there. And, and it's 
stuff like that where Joe Kelly just gets it. Yeah. And so he wrote an amazing I- debut issue. It's maybe one of the best Spider-Man stories I've read in a long time. Cool. And it gets me really excited. Uh, you should probably try to pick it up really soon. One, because Deadpool is super hot. And then when people realize that Joe Kelly is the writer, even though they might not know who he is, when they hear his voice, um, that issue is going to sell out. Yeah. And I, when I was at uh, Colorado Queens Cards and Comics, I think they had two left. Cool. Um, but it's the arts by Ed McGinnis who did Batman Superman, and his style is really cool. It really fits the story. And I can't wait because the next issue is called The Invasion of the Goblins. And uh, the, the cover is Spider-Man and Deadpool like fighting a bunch of green goblins. So I am very excited. And it was really fun to read um, Joe Kelly do Spider-Man again. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, definitely pick up Spider-Man Deadpool. Neat. That sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. What are we doing next? Movie news. In other news... The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. It's the ghost of Stonewall Jackson! Everyone, it's the ghost of Stonewall Jackson! I like a do... Da cha cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Hey, Star Wars made a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> it actually made the most money ever, is what it did. Yes. Um, you d- know, domestically. You know how the long, hell you say? You know how long <laughs> I've been waiting for a movie to do that? Right? Not yeah. so much Avatar, but Titanic. Shove it, James Cameron. Because I still think I think still think Avatar's grosses are not real. Who was it that was telling me this week that, or did we talk about this last week that that the yeah the statistic yeah, is that I, if you I, I pointed that out to you yeah right yeah that I they, keep telling people that all week I've been telling people did you know that if you saw Titanic twice that means you saw it nine times yeah that's not really oh, the way oh, the yeah, statistic Jam- works oh but... yeah James Cameron math yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's that if you, if if you are of the group of people who saw it more than once you saw it you, the times. median times of the the median number of times you saw it is nine times yeah. It's insane. Don't worry, James Cameron's heart will go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I know it just used to drive me. Like, and I was, I was pointing out to the guys last week, or maybe it was the week before, that his his are the only movies that they've been re released, and they combine the totals from the re releases. Yeah. Well, there were some other. We were looking, It was inconsistent last week. Yeah, they weren't inconsistent. All the That's what there, I'm there were some other. He, he's not the only one, but there. Yeah, it is inconsistent. Yeah. I still don't understand how it made two point six billion dollars worldwide. Uh. And there's, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> Uh, well, he's taken. He was taking the money he made on Titanic, and he went over to China and just bought a lot of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so he's buying his own movie. To, he makes so much money on his movies. I, oh, I, I can imagine him doing movies, it now because so. it's a cartoon in my head at this very moment. <laughs> they, uh, uh, Disney Why was concerned about Star Wars in China because it never really played well over there. In fact, I think the original movies only debuted two years ago. In China, really? Yeah, wow. And uh, but it broke the single day record of like it was like thirty seven million dollars. Wow. So when did it release in China? Today. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Maybe there's a chance. No, it's still six hundred. I think it's still a billion dollars behind. It is, but it's China. Yeah. So maybe. I mean, if, that's where Avatar at, made a lot of its money. Yeah, was in China, every single China person goes and sees it in China. Yeah. Uh, no, but if 
if I guess a quarter if of the one people. in if one in four people in China <laughs> goes to see it. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe. I don't think so, but No, it, it won't get there. It, that's, it might be Titanic. Just... I think Titanic was two point two billion. <coughs> yeah. It might. But it's it's, it's okay. Still it's still a better movie. Still the oh, number yeah. one movie in America. Yeah. That's America, right. man. <laughs> We're the only ones that matters. Um so speaking of Lost, uh there was a big hubbub this week because some oh, people Yeah, some people sort of figured out all of a sudden that like there's like fifteen minutes of the Lost finale just missing on on Netflix. Um, that apparently Netflix had gone in because the the finale runs in 115 minutes, something, yeah, like, that. something like that. Um, and so Netflix had gone in and just like cut out some stuff just <laughs> to make it a little shorter, um, which seemed weird. Uh, and then the, <laughs> some articles popped up after after an interview with Damon Lindelof. There were some some articles with very uh, inflammatory sort of titles of like Damon Lindelof super pissed off about like you know Damon Lindelof firing Why flaming arrows at the ne- at Netflix. Damon Lindelof. Here's the thing: if you read his interview, it, his interview is actually very playful. Where he's like, "That's weird. Why would they do that?" Yeah. Like, I, I wish I could remember what the very last thing was. Um, like he he ends the interview with some kind of joke like, eh, "Making a murder is really good though." So uh, like like there's just some very like lighthearted thing to it. But still, like you see, the it was it was just that they wanted to make news out of something that yeah. really wasn't that much news. Um, you know, you go ask the guy about it, and of course he's going to go like, "I I would prefer that Netflix show the whole thing." Um, so of course Netflix like went and fixed it. But it's weird, like uh, it why makes me wonder, like, anyways, yeah, like do they do that to other shows? Like why to, why yeah. would they even do that? That's stupid. Um, or is it just like some angry you know expat fan <laughs> who works at Netflix who's just like. Guys, I know how to fix the finale. I'm going to cut out Saeed. You know, what if, hey, I could re-edit the ending so that everybody thinks that they were dead the whole time. And then I'll just make the whole internet get paid. dead the whole time? No, they're not dead the whole time. Every time I see somebody say that on the internet, I'm like, what show are you watching? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin's next movie is going to be directed by Aaron Sorkin. Cool. Um, which seems cool. He's you know I, I think been involved enough. Ha- I think the hallways are going to yeah. be within the hallways <laughs> and within the hallways. Yeah. Or or maybe this. Maybe he's going to make a movie where there's no walking and talking in hallways because guys. Maybe he didn't write in the hallways. Maybe directors have just always been fucking up his movies and putting all his dialogue in hallways. <laughs> maybe he's just frustrated. He's like, man, would somebody make one of my movies and not put all the dialogue in a hallway? <laughs> It's entirely possible. It'd be great if that's like the interview that he gives to yeah. James Lipton years later. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, I don't know every, what the fuck they've been doing. <laughs> yeah, every time I, that's why I give my movies to a different director every time because I'm like, maybe this guy can not put my dialogue in a hallway. Oh, that would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a petition out there. Um, there's a bunch of people who would it's... like George Lucas to direct Episode Nine instead of, instead of Colin Trevorov. Did they um, see The Force Awakens? <laughs> Well, yeah. did you see the Jurassic World? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I would much rather see Colin Trevorov, who I just hope learned some lessons on Jurassic World, um, make that movie. But uh, it, Jurassic World's a fun movie. It's it's it weird. A it's a it's a. Yeah, I I don't know why these people are so delusional and what happened to them. Like, were they dropped on their heads at some point? Like, have you seen the interviews with him lately, where he's just a complete dick about everything? Yep. He's like. Disney's a bunch of white slavers. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm just so bitter and angry. How can you be bitter and angry with $4 billion? Like, he donated a billion of it. Oh, 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 good. How nice of him. 
Like, so he doesn't have to pay taxes. Yeah, he, on the other he side. donated a billion dollars of it so that he can be angry at Disney. Is that the way it works? Um, it's just why would you want that guy to be involved at this point? Like he doesn't even want to be involved. He's like, I'm gonna make movies and put them in my basement and nobody can see them. No, this is how he Good. said it. He said, I'm gonna make movies by myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make movies and put them in my basement so nobody can see them. Uh, which is fine. I'm because, sorry, George Lucas, but that is how you sound. Yeah. Um, it's really too bad. I, uh, he is so important and such a big figure and American Graffiti is one of my favorite movies of all time and it's such a shame to just watch him turn into an asshole as he gets older. Um, he just, he just sounds so, like, watching those interviews. He sounds petty. He sounds ignorant. Um, and I, and I genuinely think that like, because he was very positive about the new movie before it came out. I think he genuinely wanted it to fail. Like I think Probably. he, I think he expected that it would come out yep. and that fans would do the same thing to it that they did to his movies. Because I think he was so delusional that like he was right and it, the fandom was just a bunch of jerks. Well, yeah, because he even says in some interviews, he says, "Well, I wrote something, then they just threw out my ideas." Right. Yeah, because they're probably shit. Yeah. Right. Because he he just he, it's it hasn't gotten into his head yet. Back and play right. devil's advocate for a minute. <coughs> sure. It sounds like he. I think he's. Uh, this is tough. Cause I really don't want to. I, I do like George Lucas as a director. I actually uh, do. I do too. And I like him as a writer to a degree because of the way his. Look, I don't have a the, problem with him as a filmmaker. There's, yeah. there's a, there, there's, but the way he's acting. I think it, part of it is being taken out of context with clickbait articles. Yeah, but I mean, and, but it, it can't I, be an hour-long interview with uh, whoever it was, with Charlie Rose. Yeah, yeah, with Charlie Rose, can't be taken out of out of context. Like I know like, you watch that thing and you're like, well, you, you, I just watched and the. You context could have caught him it. on a bad day, you know. Like sometimes you have a yeah, bad but, day. But don't but make excuses it, for him. Yeah, Zach. I'm like, <laughs> this is the same year where we all crucified Josh Trank for doing this. That's like, true. If he had if he had directed this Star Wars movie and did this. And he weren't George Lucas. He never works in Hollywood again. That is a good Ever. Point. That's a good like, point. Like you just don't do this. That's, um, that's a good point. Yeah, like it. It's just it's fr- it's frustrating and very disappointing. Um, and if I'm Steven Spielberg, I'm calling him every day and going like, "Dude, you got to shut up." James, yeah. you look so sad. Do you want some ice cream? Uh, well, here's a big bag of rock salt. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. Copyright Patton Oswalt, 2007. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Uh, But also speaking of George Lucas, uh, the Alamo has acquired the rights to Raiders, which is the, like, documentary slash fan film uh, where those kids remade shot for shot Raiders of the Lost Ark during their, basically, their entire childhood. Um, So that's cool. That means that we'll probably get a cool Blu-ray release of that uh, when when they get to release it. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, and then finally, I should have talked about this back when we were talking about uh, Netflix. So an article um, that, where Netflix is apparently claiming that they believe that Ridiculous 6 is the most watched film of all time. Uh, uh, it's the most watched one on their service. Right. Which, I mean... Is that crazy? It's a pretty good measurement of the See, most watched pe- film of all time. People say, you know, why they give money to Adam Sandler. Oh, there's a reason. Yeah. Hey, I watched that movie. I mean, I, I fell asleep. I was in bed and I fell asleep during the middle of it. Did but, it did it play through the whole movie though? Oh yeah. Well, there you go. You're one of the I, uh-huh. You're I counted it. it. I think I might be the only one who hasn't clicked on it yet. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, even out of curiosity. It, it, here's the thing: it's, it's not great, but it's, it's watchable. Yeah, it's 
that's the thing is, you know, I, I'm an Adam Sandler apologist. I don't think he's as bad as everyone thinks he is. No, he's not. He's, he's fun. <laughs> I, I, I have fun with him. Yeah, yeah and, well, and I think, well, with especially with a movie like this, I watch it as like a, hey, I'm Adam Sandler and I got my friends together and yeah. we got cowboy hats and we all went out in the desert and shot some dumb thing we did. Yeah, See, here's exactly. Like, that's what it is. That's why I don't really care. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing with Adam Sandler. I can't get mad at Every that. once in a while, he just does a movie. I think because he wants to do one. Yeah. Uh, like, he wants to do a Western. So he did that. He did When he did Little Nicky, is probably my least favorite Adam Sandler movie. But he just wanted to do something... Wacky. Wacky. You well, know what I mean? Make a demon movie. Right. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, hell the, movie. The, the best part of it, Roddy Dangerfield is, you know, Satan, but. <laughs> yeah. But. I think he wanted to do a voice that was different than all his other voices, in, you know. Yeah, and he, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm an apologist, and I still think his, his movies are really fun. Yeah. Um, they're never. Well, I mean, something like Rain Over Me and yeah. Punch Drunk Love. He is also really, really good. <laughs> he is. Um, and that's the only disappointing part for me is like. It's been too long since Rain but, Over Me. But or see, at the same Spanglish. time, though, how good was Funny he people. in uh, The Cobbler? He is really good in The Cobbler. He is yes. good in The Cobbler. He's really good in The Cobbler. But that yeah. movie didn't get any release because, for some reason, I don't know, I guess he couldn't market it. Yeah. Or he's a shoe making superhero. I don't know. Right, right. But yeah, I, I don't care. I like Adam Sandler. And I'll be getting Hotel Transylvania, too. Are you going to buy the, the Blu ray of Ridiculous Six when Netflix eventually releases it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Great. Um, cool. Well, speaking of that that movie you just said, let's do like Blu-rays. Oh, is it coming out next week? Ignition sequence start. Whoa, DVDs. Hotel Transylvania 2 comes out next week. The only reason it's not higher, it wasn't higher on my list is because uh, my all my ranked movies will be coming out this week is yeah. because Peanuts and Inside Out came out this year. So. Oh, yeah, man. Sheesh. Yeah. It's a good year for animated films. So I'll, I'll, uh, it, Peanuts made me cry like three times. Yeah. It's really good. I, I even like... Inside Out. I, the second time I watched Inside Out, it made me cry the whole movie. Even Peanuts when uh, Pigpen gets clean... <laughs> and people recognize him like a tear Who are you? my eye. Like, yeah, oh, and so that's good. Cute. Uh, the Martian comes out on Blu-ray this week. So yeah. this is your chance Let's to go see save Matt, Mike Watney. Mike, Matt Watney. Yeah. Mark Watney. 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 Mark for Sherlock, I it's love, just one more episode title. of Sherlock. It, I love it, the well, title. They, yeah. they send them back in time to uh, the Victorian era. Do they really? Yes. They. Wait, there's it no, doesn't not, take there's place no, in the Victorian era. It does, but there's no time travel element. That oh, sends it's just them back. Oh, it's that they're. <laughs> oh, right, it, because the that Sherlock is set in the modern day. Yeah. You know, so this is one that's set in the Victorian era, like normal Sherlock. It's like a, it's like a one-off. Oh, okay. It's one-off because it's... I just realized that that was even a thing. Because there are people like me, James, who do remember when Sherlock Holmes used to wear a deerstalker cap and no. want to see it happen again. It's uh, not that... I like, uh, I like when 
you know, Sherlock Holmes is in boxing matches. I think the elementary is, is a perfectly fine <laughs> TV show. Um, Danny Jr. The, uh, I'm going to punch him in his face. No, it was, it, it's actually just that I forgot that Sherlock, the TV show, was set in modern day. Fair enough. Um, yeah. There's, be, because honestly, that show is hit or miss because it's made by that dude. That, that dude? That dude who runs... Uh, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Stephen Moffat. Man. Uh, I love that. I love that. He's the George though. Lucas of what, London. The, the Abominable Bride. That's yeah, a cool. Title. The Abominable Bride. Yeah, yeah. That's no, it title. is. They're yeah. showing it. In, they're, I don't know if they've already shown it in theaters, but they were going to show it in theaters for one night only because it's a ninety-minute episode. I think they did it. I think they did it back around Christmas. Darn it. Yeah. Uh, season one of Mr. Robot, which is a show, which I haven't seen, but I've heard good things about. Yeah. I keep meaning to check it out. I don't so, know the lead character is in some movie. I don't like him in, so I don't want to watch it. Uh, the lead character is in Un- Until Dawn, that video game that came out this year, uh, where it's like a horror game. I you should know. play that game. You'd yeah. like that game. I know I want to, but I don't want to pay 60 bucks for it. Should I yeah. Go? No, wait until it's like 30. Okay. Yeah. No. Or get it for Trademark used. Because uh, it'll show up used a lot because it's a game that you probably play once or twice mm-hmm. and then you never play again because it's like a very much a story driven game. Um, but yeah, you should totally check that cool, out. I will. Or, do what I did, which is go to giantbomb.com and watch those guys play the entire game all the way through, because um, that's exactly just as entertaining. Um, it's probably more fun than actually playing the like game. Like Rain? Yeah, yeah right. Lucas! <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, uh, shit, what is his, what's the kid's name? It's not Lucas. It's not Lucas, are you sure? Yeah. Uh Shoot. Anyway, moving on. Stanford Prison Experiments getting its Blu-ray release this week. Second best film of last year. Yeah. <laughs> it almost made it on my way, top ten. Way, way to overrate it. There, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know. No, it's, it's really it is good. really good. It's it is a really, really good film. Very bleak but beautiful. Yeah, the only thing working against it is that you've seen, like, everybody knows that story because, like, like I talked about on the film Explosion, like, Veronica Mars did a Stanford Prison episode, and like every every after school special has done an uh you know like you've seen the story, but they do a f- really amazing job of like hey this is what actually happened yeah um and it's kind of disturbing but also really fascinating. And so. Gennaro gives a really good performance in that movie. Yeah, as uh, John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jason. Jason is the name. Jason. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> Following the balloon in the mall. <sighs> yeah. Hey, that game is good, but man, it that is. game is dumb. Yep. Um, uh, Sinister 2 comes out on Blu-ray this week. Um, was that a meh? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't, all, I couldn't remember. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about the Because you, you, you get the, the Bel- Belloc or whatever. Bagul. Bagul. Belloc is the villain from Raiders of the Lost You get like you get a lot more Bagul in this one. Yep. Yeah. It's not as effective. Right. Uh, some kind of movie called Howl. Yep. It's got some kind of werewolf thing on it. Yep. The O is it a looks, moon. It looks really cheap though, doesn't it? It it looks super cheap. It looks like it's made of cheap. Um, there's a movie called The Irrational Man or just Irrational Man. That's Woody Allen's newest movie. Oh, is it really? Yes, it is. Oh, that's too bad. Because I wasn't interested because it had Joaquin Phoenix in it, and then I was interested because it's got um, uh, Emma Stone in it, and then you said Woody Allen and are moving on. Um, <laughs> there's a 10th anniversary Blu-ray release of The Devil Wears Prada, which I think is like a it's like a big badass version think, of that I movie. I think Laura likes that movie a lot. A lot of people really like that movie. That was a very popular really movie. Good. Yeah. Um, I mentioned how much I love Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt's really good. She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Samurai Cop, yeah, Samurai Cop Two, 
Deadly Vengeance. Don't worry, oh. I think Brad already has that movie. Right? <laughs> oh my god, that movie. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, okay, here's an actual, here's a good movie. Uh, the Look of Silence, which is a documentary, uh, from last year. I talked about it. Um, Joshua Oppenheimer, who did the, the, um, not the Killing Fields, um, The Act of Killing. Um, it's a really fantastic documentary that you should absolutely see, uh, about, like, these, about genocides in the Philippines that no one talks about. Like, they happened, and, like, the 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 generation we're only a generation removed from it and no one in in the country really talks about them at all um it's just it's really fascinating um so definitely worth checking out and finally um phantom from 10,000 leagues from 1956 that, yep. last week. that does look like yeah we talked about this yeah well anyway it was still here maybe it's it came a out maybe it didn't. film isn't it yeah, uh, I think it is. Maybe. Am I thinking Corman or Harry has it? I'm thinking one of those two. Yeah, I don't think it is. Anyway, that's uh, that's Blu-rays. Very cool. Um, just the movie. Yeah. This week, the real nerds went and saw the Revenant. <laughs> the action people see the Revenant. <laughs> do we need like a? Especially do, when you say yeah. it like that. Do we need like a bear growl after every time That'd you be say sweet. that? Um, <laughs> Should um, <laughs> you know i I would not hesitate. I would not hesitate to recommend people go see it. But I, I gotta be honest. There was there were some moments in this movie where I was really bored, <laughs> and I and we'll talk about it in the spoilers. But Leonardo DiCaprio gives such a good performance that it's worth watching for that alone. Like it's a torturous performance. Like holy shit. It's so, yeah. Go see it, and go see it in the theater. It it, it demands that type of attention. I <coughs> anyway, yeah. James, um, huh? So yes, with a caveat. Um, I Whoa. I love <laughs> I really loved this movie, and I think it's it's great. It's uh, if it had come out in 2016, it would absolutely or 2015, it would absolutely you like been a on movie my list. about survival. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Did you see exactly. the the trailer for the Free State of Jones before yours? No. Oh, okay. See, I'm I'm more special than you. Oh man! And I saw the red band for the nice guys again. Ah! Oh, see if you go you see suck. the AMC. Man, well, yeah, but if I go to the AMC, I also get 15 trailers before my movie. Yep. Um. So the the caveat being that this movie is really really brutal, and uh, I went with a with a couple of friends of mine, uh, one of whom I literally looked over at one point, and she had her eyes completely closed, and when the movie was over, looked at me and said, "I did not enjoy that." And it wasn't because, like, she didn't enjoy the story. It was just that, like, the experience of this movie is really rough to watch. Um, and there's some stuff, like, there's a lot of animals dying and, like, just... Yeah, who cares about that? Just, just rough things to see. Um, they're really done effectively. So, <laughs> if you think you can stomach that, then, yeah, I think you should see it. Uh, yeah, I thought this movie was really good. Um, <laughs> I, I think... Uh, Alejandro Inatorio, I don't know how to pronounce it. Inaritu. Um I think he is tells stories with his camera extremely well. Yeah. Um, this movie had Birdman style shots. Yeah. But I thought were way more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not one long continuous shot, but he does some things in it that are that like the beginning of the movie when they're attacked. Okay. Yes, yeah. you should go see this movie. Right. Um, I actually think Tom Hardy is better than Leonardo DiCaprio in it, but 
doing doing his I'm I'm living up in the mountain joke yep. voice. Yep. It's doing his his voice from Lawless. Is yeah. what he's doing. Uh but yeah, so here's a trailer for uh <laughs> The Revenant. it's like the camera movement and how it relates to each arrow getting shot through every single person yeah like there's there's people who are just like going like like in such a way that i'm just like i'm trying to keep up with the intensity of it and it it, it does work (laughs) but i think what makes it so effective is you don't know where the native americans are as well because Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's the way it's shot is it's literally tracking you know throughout it's like you you're the way it's shot is you're a person there, and you're moving and watching everybody get shot around you. Right. And uh, yeah, it, it, I guess we should. The story is about Hugh Glass, who's it's a true ish story. It's um, a it's a true story that they add some stuff to. Yeah, a lot of stuff uh, because when you love history like I do, um, I know the story of Hugh Glass. And when I'm watching, I'm like, I don't think it was cold out when he got hurt. And it was in August. <laughs> well, there's a um, there's a more glaring issue, which is Hugh Glass didn't have a son. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we'll get in. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say the big spoiler, but like, it also ends very different than the real Hugh Glass yeah, story. But it still ends um, really awesomely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the movie is brutal. Um, there's it's not a movie where, I, and I think it might have been a he, what he did on purpose in filmmaking is. You deal with those super intense scenes, and then you have scenes of people just sitting there yeah. and thinking about what to do next. Yeah. Um, because, and I mean, it's pretty much in the trailer, is he... Um, so they're beaver pelt guys, yeah. and they get attacked by Indians, and they go on their boat, and they decide to go on shore. And while they're on shore, 
uh, Hugh Glass is attacked by a bear, which it might be one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen. It's so good. Yeah, man. Because especially even... like because it happens and you're like and and like one of the most disturbing moments for me is when the, the bear like gets him on his stomach and stands on his back and bounces. In that yeah. way that we've seen bears actually behave. Uh, um, the, the, the icky part for me was when he starts stepping on his head. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, he's going to crush cr- it. He's oh, going to crush it. Ugh. Um, but so, like, the bear fights him and, like, mauls him. And you're like, oh, that was really rough. And the bear goes away. And you're like, oh, oh, man, yeah, that was really rough. Like, that was that was really bad. But then. And then the bear comes back. <laughs> and, I, it's, and it gets worse. That bear that, delivered a great performance. Yeah, what, yeah. What's great about this scene, too. <laughs> is the shots in the trailer but what the build up to it is you know glass is walking and he hears rattling is like what's that and then he sees the two cubs run away right and you're like oh fuck and yeah. the way the camera is positioned where you see the bear on its hind legs and then all of a sudden fall down and like charge him hits him roughs him up really bad and then the camera never cuts it stays on him and it follows him moving and glass realizes that this bear is going to come back yeah and, you know, he grabs his rifle, and as the bear comes in front of him, he just shoots it. And then that bear even, like, rips his throat out. Yeah. And uh, he ends up killing it by stabbing it in the throat over and over again. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, in my audience, they actually laughed when the bear fell on top of him. And I don't think it's because they thought it was funny. I think it's because it was a release. Well, yeah. it's also like... It's like one last thing. Yeah. It's like this poor guy, and like that's one more thing where you're just like, oh gosh, like really? Like it's almost too much, you know? Yep. So because my audience did the same thing. So he gets he gets mauled, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we're we're left with uh, him alone versus the uh, cutaways to Tom Hardy going like, well, I tell you what, <laughs> and uh, which don't get me wrong, Tom Hardy's really, yeah, he's good, really good in that movie. He's, he's really a good, utter yeah. Dick, yeah. like the worst human being imaginable. I know, I love- but but I like his explanation <laughs> right, for why yes. he's so conked out of his head. You see, yeah. he's been tra- almost scalped beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Like it's but- a good little piece of makeup that just says a lot about it within that one shot of him, where you finally see his hair, and you're like, "Holy fuck, this guy's into uh, shit." <laughs> what you find out he's a weasel is when he, you know, when the captain offers seventy dollars for anybody who stays behind. Yeah, and when there's the kids say, well, I, you don't have to have mine. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll take it all. And you knew he was going to kill him. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you know the story of Hugh Glass. But anyways, right. uh, I mean, they change it a little bit. Uh, they change it a lot. Yeah. And it's like having Fitzgerald kill anyone. Because in the real story, Fitzgerald doesn't ever kill anybody. Like, yeah. He's not that bad of a guy. He's just kind of a weasel. Yeah. And, and in the real story, too, it, they thought he was going to die. So they right. just left him behind. Right. Um, yeah. and, you know, back in those days, it's. Yeah. Because didn't he? Uh, I want to say in the real story he forgave him. He, right? he forgives him both. Yeah. yeah. So he he tries down Butcher and forgives him, and then I think it takes him a few years to find yeah. Fitzgerald. Because and Fitzgerald had he finds like, him in Nebraska end, or something. Yeah, and he's he's reenlisted in the in the military. Yeah. And so that's where they they sort of pay homage to at the end, where they're like Fitzgerald ran away, he's going to reenlist. Um, but in in the in the in the real version, he finds him in the military, and he's like, oh. You being in the military is punishment enough. Like whatever, I forgive you. Yeah. Um. But because Hugh Glass didn't have a son, like the problem is. So it's interesting. Like for me, I'm watching this movie, and there's all this stuff about there's all these dream sequences and all this stuff about like Hugh who Hugh Glass really was, and so they're building up this thing where I'm like shit, like because I know the real story. I'm like 
even with him killing his son, are they going to tell a story where he ends up forgiving this guy and not killing him? Yeah. Because um, if they do that, like, if they can pull that off, this movie's special and yeah. important. Um, but it ends up being pretty much a revenge film. Um, but, like, there's there's these little bits about... That, that just led me to feel like, oh, this isn't just about him surviving the wilderness. This is also about him maintaining who he is. Because you get all these flashbacks of, like... Uh, his wife talking to him, and you get the the Indian telling him like, "Hey, you know, revenge isn't yours, and it's not mine either." Um, and especially because at the beginning, like, who you see Hugh Glass to be, you know, Fitzgerald is being a complete jerk and like getting up in his face and even picking on his son, and he doesn't ever do anything about it. Like, he's just like, "Nope, nope, nope." Like, I'm very controlled. I'm gonna do my thing. Like, when he really gets angry, like pissy, like I'll just have my smart little quip about, like, I'm on the smart end of this rifle, you know, um, just to sort of threaten him. Um, and so they, they sort of, the way it ends, they kind of pull both cards out. Yeah. Like, they can't not have it be a revenge film because you just killed somebody you made up. Um, like, you can't have, once the guy kills his son and also the second favorite character in the movie, um, you can't well, have the guy not die. Yeah. And, the, too, what, what's really well done <laughs> in the film, though, is... Uh, his son is killed, and yeah. when uh, Glass drags himself out of his grave, oh, man, and he's you know his legs broken, and he's trying to get there, and it's there's really it, this is how smart of a filmmaker he is though. The music's kind of intense, yeah. and then all of a sudden when he realizes he sees his dead son, the music stops, yeah, and everything slows down, yeah, and there's that couple beats where it just stays there. And that's someone who understands the craft of filmmaking, mm-hmm. where images are way more powerful <coughs> than the music. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those parts of that film, I just think, are just so great. When he lets the performance breathe that way. Oh, yeah. Because and, and, it, it is true. Like, DiCaprio is really good here. Oh, he's great. And when, when, especially, man, when, when he's watching Fitzgerald kill his son, and he's just like, you know, he can't hardly move. Yeah. But he's like, he is so angry and yeah. he's like, he's trying to do whatever he can well, and he's just when, helpless. Even when Richard comes back and he's like, yeah, right. Yeah. No, he's like desperately trying to tell him. Yeah. DiCaprio's great. He deserves to be nominated. He really, oh, yeah. and he deserves to win Yeah, uh, because it's, it's the performance that does. There's not a lot of talking, but physically and emotionally, I think it's one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't hold back. No. And yeah. when he meets that, uh, that other Indian who helps him, uh, that that's the part I was going to tell you about at the beginning of the podcast. So, you know, that, uh, the Indian helps him and he, you know, he glass is about to die because of the infection. And, uh, so he builds that little hut for him and he gives him the steam and, you know, helps yeah. him heal. And so when glass comes out of there, you think, Oh, I guess the, the Indian guy just, you know, he still had something else to do. He had to meet his other uh, tribesmen. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, oh. He, so, you know, Glass is walking, and spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So he's walking, walking, and he finds the Indian hung. Yeah. And on it is written in French. It's saying one less uh, savage or something like yeah. that. And the lady next to me is like, oh, the French are back. <laughs> like, really loud. <laughs> the French are coming. Yeah. <laughs> And then they just started having this conversation, like her and her, like significant other. I don't like the French. And, you know, at that, at that point, it's actually pretty quiet because he's just trying to get the horse and, and stuff. And I leaned over and said, "Can you please just be quiet, please?" And she's like, ah. 
Hi, French food, though. Yeah. Yeah, we all know it's the French. Do you know say quoi? French, French bread. <laughs> yeah. French bread. But, you know, I, I hate when I have to be that jerk. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, shut up. Please. No, you had, the, you had every right to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I told because you wouldn't stop talking. And, it's, and I want to say, yeah, we all know it's the French. I had a, I, I, I love the Alamo, but I had a bad Alamo experience with this movie because yeah. I was sitting next to a uh, complete and utter uh, jerk who kept using his flashlight on his cell phone mm-hmm. and proceeded to talk throughout the movie with his wife. Oh, I would have put oh. up a order card. I, I, yeah, I just yeah. was not in the mood to bother with anybody. The waitress <laughs> was dealing with her own shit that night because there were people who were mixing up their seats and stuff. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, they're having a long night. I'm just going to watch the movie. But to get back to the movie really quickly, this is the part where I was bored. Mm-hmm. This is the only part where I was bored. It was like there, there's some parts in the middle that I was just like, as 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 a film watcher, I was just like thinking as an editor throughout this entire movie, I'm just like, how much more can we cut? Because I don't know how much. I thought it was 30 minutes too long because once we finally get – at some point in the middle, I thought it just became too full of itself. But then it gets back on track. So, I don't know, that's just where I was coming from, where I was just like, okay, I get that the photography's beautiful, but can we, can we progress a little further or show something, something a little more dynamic here? Cause it feels like we're just showing a lot of shots of walking. So but, again, that may have just been based on my experience at it, the LMO. To and, me, I, I was never bored, even though it was slow, because to me, it was about him, uh, it's about building his up survival. his strength and the, what he needed to do to right or wrong. Well, and I, I think that this is, as a as a fan of history and somebody who really likes this period in history, um, I think this is one of the most accurate and fascinating, like movies about that time and that that sort of American and American Indian West. Um, because even if you go to like a Dances with Wolves or whatever, which is great, um, yeah, but it romanticizes movie, it a lot. This one, doesn't. yeah, yeah, like this movie, um, yeah, like you get that sense of of the tribal infighting of how of things being very close but very far away, like like everyone is on top of each other, but at the same time, yeah. he's in the wilderness, like he's really alone. Yeah. Um, you know, you, <laughs> I love the the scene when the um. Donald Gleason's crew, like the captain and his crew, are trying to find their way back without Hugh Glass, who was their scout. Um, and at one point, like one of them is down at the bottom of a water waterfall, and the other ones are up at the top. And the one guy's like, "Well, I think the map says we're supposed to go this way. I think we just need to keep going up." And the other guy's like, "Well, I know we we should go down that way." And they're like, uh, "Why don't we just you go whatever way you want to go?" And, like the fact that they just have they're out in the middle of nowhere and they literally have no clue what they're doing. Um, and they're helpless. Yeah. Um, and he's very similarly, like, he, he knows more than most, but at the same time, he's still kind of like, he just wanders for a long time. I, um, I, I so. gotta give it up to the Fox for putting that movie out, cause that's a movie <coughs> that just doesn't seem like it would play to a big audience. Our audience was sold out. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody came. I was just like, this is, this, there's something <laughs> special about this movie. And again, I have to go watch it again because I think I just had a bad experience. Yeah. Well, I think it, but it, it's like an indie, it's like an indie film with a big budget. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a, it's sort of a quiet little movie. Um, and then it's got like these, these big expensive shots in it. Um, which I think are well worth it. It was funny. The, the guys next to me, I don't know, like 18, 19 year old kids. 
And at the end where uh, Glass catches up with Fitzgerald and they have that badass fight on the riverbank and Glass takes his tomahawk and hits him in the hand and chops off like three of his fingers. Oh, Man. yeah. The kid next to me went, <gasps> and they covered his eyes and stuff. Oh. The, the, what's cool, though, is the movie doesn't linger on it. It's yeah, That no. happened and it's... It's it makes a him fight more, to the death. Makes it yeah. more effective because you're wondering, yeah. like, how's he fighting with just yeah. like one finger? <laughs> it's just, it is so brutal. Like it's relentless. Like that fight scene is, you know, yeah. Like he can get his fingers chopped off, and we move on to the next thing because he's still got a knife and yep. gonna kill our hero. It's like, live or die. Yeah. Right. Like that. That whole scene is just so brutal. And then at the end, he just lets him go down the river. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. It's like that. That ending to me is, it's not emotionally as impactful as it could be. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I like, I think there's a lot I can read into the Indians showing up there and what they represent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, because there is like him wrestling with who he really is and with some ideas of faith, um, which is throughout the whole movie because you also get like Tom Hardy telling the story about like, my, you know, my dad found God. It was a squirrel, and he killed God. Oh, and that, ate God. That monologue that, was so fucking brilliant. It, it's so good. Oh, the way he delivers it. Oh yeah. my god. That's what I mean. Like that's why he's so good in the movie because he's going. He found that squirrel, and it was a big fat one, and <laughs> yeah. he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> he, shot, he shot it, and he ate it. He it was. Ate it. It was he he's like, mm-hmm. I met God. Yep. It's his eyes. His eyes are staring off yeah. into Will Poulter. Will Poulter, who was in We really Are good. the Millers. Yeah, he's really good. He's in it too. Really good in it yeah. too. Who gets kicked the shit out of by Dom Hell Gleason at yeah. one point. <laughs> you said he was alive! <laughs> or uh, you said he was dead! Yeah. Um, but there is, there, there's there's so much of that imagery there that, like, I want to try and dig in and try to figure out what it's doing, but, like, that ending to me just lacks a little bit of the emotional yeah. punch I would have wanted. Because it's like, oh, like, you have this big fight, so if you finish the fight and he kills him, then it's just a really cool revenge film. Um... And if you don't, then you're really a movie that's trying to say something, but you kind of draw the... Yeah, it's like what, that, I don't is, have to save you Batman thing, yeah. of like, well, you still kind of kill him. Yeah, what's the... What, is, what does he say in Revenge? It's like... Uh, re- Revenge is Reven- in the hands of the creator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of the creator. Right. Just lets um, it go. And, I mean, but... It, you, yeah, because the one thing, the only thing that makes it unsatisfying is uh, Fitzgerald has that one son of a bitch line. He's like, you can kill me if you want. Your boy ain't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, well, but that's and that's sort of the line that makes him realize, yeah. like, oh shit, I don't get anything out of this. Yeah, like, like yeah, that's what I mean. This all this does is something to me. Yeah. Like, it's one more thing that happens to me if I kill you. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, Tom Hardy's so good at that movie. Yeah, um, Damn, kill me. Make gonna bring your boy back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got other plans for you. <laughs> oh man, yeah, sheesh. This is good. I really like it. Even I mean, even the scene. Uh, well, all right. You know him and Will Poulter are fighting, and he pulls, the, you know, puts a rifle on me, pulls the trigger, and goes, it clicks. Yeah. He's like, next time you point a rifle, make sure it's loaded. And, All right, grab your stuff, let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he was going to kill him, and yeah. then he's like, okay, just grab your stuff, and yeah. we're going to go. Yeah, it's the pauses are really interesting. Yeah, in his performance. I love yeah, it. it's a really interesting performance. He's a really good actor. Well, I agree. Um, too bad he, he's weird, especially he was, when he mumbles. He was he was well, half well. good in Legend. <laughs> 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 Um. Yep. Man, what else is there? Dude, in that horse. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, he gosh. totally climbs inside that yeah, horse. The, I, the, my my sister's gonna, my sister's gonna ask me, should I go see the Revenant? And I'm gonna have to be like, no, 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 yeah, because <laughs> yeah. then she will lose her shit <laughs> if she sees that scene. A really long shot of like, you know what he's doing, yep. and you're just like, really? He's a hot solo it. Yeah, he's like pulling out these giant guts. Oh, man. I'm just glad he didn't say, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Right, yeah. Oh, man. Um, next week, we are seeing Ride Along 2. Are we really? Uh, no, we're seeing 13 Hours. <laughs> okay. That's the Benghazi Michael oh, Bay. awesome, yeah. Have you seen the new uh, TV spot for it? No. The, it literally <laughs> opens with, it's a shot inside a barrel, and someone drops an RPG in it. And the RPG launches and it follows the RPG. I'm like, wow, this is like a shot in Pearl Harbor, but all right, I'm down. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. So Michael Bay. I mean, always another movie. Always finds a way to be irreverent. No, I really want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, it's either that or point The director break. of Pain and Gain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. Cool. Yep. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks for stopping by, Zach. Thank yeah. you for having me. It's a good start to the year. Yep. Indeed. Bye. 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 Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.